Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I'm sitting here with my beautiful wife. <laughs> totally. I'm melting down a little bit. I can tell. Can you really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I just took the kind of shit that killed Elvis. Okay. Was there cocaine in the shit? No. no Amphetamine? He, no, but I was like, this is a shit that could give me a stroke. <sighs> I think I got a hemorrhoid. I told you this. Well, isn't that a good thing? What a coincidence. Someone else in your family is currently having a hemorrhoid and cannot go to work. Cotty? <laughs> Are you serious? I'm sure she would not want that on the podcast. Are you serious? She can't go to work because she can't sit down. And I said, you Bert has you sympathetic. Should not be sharing this on the fucking. Okay. Anyway, hey guys. <laughs> uh, my sister Cotty is nine months pregnant. Yes. And uh, having a run of it. Yeah, I think she's Bert pregnant. She could not have done Australia. Well, she is Bert Kreischer, but pregnant. Which yeah. of the two of us? I'm glad I was the one that was pregnant because I think we would have divorced. I just had a hard time taking a, a shit. Like I literally was panicking, so I was like, "Why isn't it coming out?" I've been eating so much bread and Vegemite. Why bread and Vegemite? I love Vegemite. That's disgusting. I love Vegemite. No wonder you have a hemorrhoid. I love Vegemite. Vegemite is disgusting. Can I tell you something that I've been wanting to share on this podcast, mm. which may be ego driven? And I know you gave me a speech about ego the other day. I've never known you to be ego-driven. I don't know what you're talking about. Four years ago, we were in Australia, and we were in a speedboat outside the Sydney Opera House. Do you remember this? Yes. And someone said to me, I think it was Mans, he was like, Bert, one day you'll be performing there. And I said, without irony, I said, that will never happen. Mm-hmm. That will never fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Has it happened? Twice. <laughs> I know. It was. It was. I got to be honest with you. Thank you, Australia. Everyone in Australia who came out, I'm uh, I'm like moved. I can't even tell you. I'm so touched that I could do stand-up in Australia. That means so much to me that – I mean, look, I could obviously I could fly and go do a, a club in Australia. But to have fans come out, yeah, I'm very grateful to be where I am today. Considering a year ago today, I was in a shithole place in my life. Why? Uh, fired from Travel Channel. Not fired. That's inaccurate. I speak in hyperbole. You speak in catastrophe. It was not, you were not fired. Your contract said, expired July 31st. We no longer want to work with and you. And they didn't renew your contract, yeah. which is different than being fired. Being she fired said, is like you suck and said, you can't work yeah, here. Yeah, she it's said, the same thing. we no longer want to work with you. Yeah, it's not the same thing as being fired. Being fired is a super aggressive. Yeah. It means that you did something wrong. Taking the network in a different direction doesn't mean you did something wrong. It just means you're a I Corvette and they're looking at BMWs. Right, okay. See? Okay. Well then, okay. How about this one? Don't go no, to no, catastrophe. How, let's let's okay. Stop catastrophe thinking. Stop. Uh, funny or die tour. They cancel all my tour dates. Yes, that was kind of yeah. That well, was this that was, was a year ago today. That was that was a blow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you scheduled a vasectomy. That wasn't a year ago. Uh-huh. Baby, it happened all in the same. Remember me going, I can't do this vasectomy. I scheduled, I vasectomy. I scheduled a vasectomy because you told me I could. No, but I said I, I didn't go, do I it do all this. on my own. Baby, I said I cannot. Priscilla, stop. I said I can't do this vasectomy because also what else was going on? We were redoing our house. Yes, we were remodeling so our house. in one day, I got passively uh, fired from the travel channel. All in the same day. The tour got canceled 
12 dates. I had canceled my whole fucking winter to do this tour for Funny or Die. Mm-hmm. And it got, all got canceled. Um, I I pushed the vasectomy back. I still haven't gotten it. No. Nope. I think you and Eric should tag team that vasectomy. I am. What about my second wife? And, and then... <laughs> I bet she won't do reads with you. My point is... My point is... To go from that place in my life, hey, look at me and not the goddamn dog. I'm listening to you. I can multitask. To go from that place to this tour in Australia in a year is best case scenario. Well, yeah. It is the best possible year I've ever had. And I just want to say to everyone who's coming out to shows who came out in Australia, I'm very grateful. I I live in gratitude. Good. That's good. Those meet and greets. I don't loathe them. I'm very grateful that you give a shit to wait in line to say hi to me. So I just want to put that out there. It was an amazing tour. Perth, thank you. Melbourne, thank you. Sydney, thank you. Brisbane, thank you. You're bored, aren't you? No, I'm just listening. nod your head. You are so in catastrophe mode. All I am doing is sitting here with you. I'm I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just praying that we're not getting a clicking from one of these mics because people say these mics click sometimes. Do they? They do. I'm glad Um, you've wrapped your necklace around that mic cord. That's good. It's stuck on that mic cord, and I can't fucking fix it because I'm in catastrophe mode. Bring on Sober October. Yes. Are you ready for it? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah? Why? Are you ready for that first week where I just can't manage? I'm not ready for the first week. What, What are you ready for? The first week I may start drinking. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm not ready for the first week. How about the first day? October 1st when The I first fly day from, you're going to be high. From... No, the first day you're going to be high on life. Yeah. Day 2 fucking awful. Really? 3 maybe worse. 4 it depends on how 3 goes. <laughs> it's going to be dicey because um, hot yoga with Joe, Ari, and Tommy. Hot something, I tell you. Hot mess. <laughs> it's probably more like it. Hot mess coming in hot, firing hot. Ari's already fucking trying to welch out of it. He's texting like, "Why do we do this? This is a dumb idea." Wait, does he have to be sober too? Yeah, we're all. We all <laughs> look. I don't think they're going to do sober October. Who? Joe, Ari, and Tom said they'd all do sober October, but they can smoke weed. Well, that's not sober. Well, yeah, but but their problem isn't their problem is weed. Not as the problem, but what yeah, they know, imbibe in continually is weed. So they're clearly not sober. But, so then they are charlatans. Charlatans, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're fakers. Can someone please make a T-shirt of Joe, Ari, and Tom? And it's, it's just their faces that says charlatans underneath. Well, that's it. bullshit. If they're saying it's sober October, then they should be yeah, fully sober. I'm not going to call them on that because I don't. Well, why like, wouldn't you call them on? I don't. I don't mind the idea that weed is a nice tap out. But like we didn't, so you can do weed too? That's what so then saying. you're not sober. This is a complete cheat. <laughs> this month is bullshit. You're totally full of bullshit. No. I call bullshit on all four of Look, the people. You know me. I'm probably not going to smoke weed at all only because I don't smoke weed. I don't like smoking weed unless I've been drinking. Are you seriously talking to me about that? Who constantly puts a vape pen in my purse everywhere we go? Yeah, I am so, be so shocked if you don't smoke weed. Are you kidding? 
I can't believe this is what you signed off on. So basically, they're all pretending to be sober so that you will be sober. So that I won't drink. So this is a covert, passive-aggressive intervention. Sober October. It's called dry drunk October. It's uh, when, yeah, I don't know. We haven't figured out the parameters. By the way, you might be Lenny. You might be Lenny from Of Mice and Men. (laughs) You should read the text messages between me, Ari, and Tom. Ari is fucking so upset about this. But he's not even going to be sober. (laughs) He's still smoking pot. So essentially, the only thing that changes for Ari is that he does hot yoga. Yeah, well, we are all doing hot yoga. Hot yoga for uh, fifteen times in the month. That's just stupid. No, it's going to be fine. I like hot yoga. You you did 15 it. times in 30 days yeah, is, that is a, stupid. Why? Because it's too dehydrating. No, I'm going to have enough recovery. I'm clean out my body. You need to do it like. You did it day after day. No, I did it three days a week. Yeah, three That's days a week. That's 12 days a month. I throw in two more days. Three. Who, who's not very good at math. <laughs> Dysgraphia, dyslexia, dysnumbria. Today's podcast is brought to you by. <laughs> Charlatans. Because <laughs> people are cheating. No. I have a problem with that. That's not sober. No. Nope. Sober means there's no chemicals in your body. I'll go no chemicals, but let I, I if look, if they want to smoke weed, that's up to them. I don't give a shit. Yeah, but that's not the point. You don't do a tough mutter challenge and go, you can do the tough mutter challenge, but the three of you don't run in mud. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. But sometimes mud, yeah. Okay, a challenge is a challenge. We haven't figured out the parameters, Leanne. Look, if you guys well, want to do to, uh, to Sober October with me, but can I tell you what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about getting dropped off outside of New Orleans five hours before midnight no. on October 30th. No. So that I run into the French Quarter and meet Ari at five hours in and start drinking that and sounds run a marathon. really safe. Getting dropped off 26.2 no, miles. No, that's just stupid. That's stupid. Today's podcast is brought to you by <laughs> Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave... Uh, look, I use Dollar Shave Club. If you don't know, Dollar Shave Club is uh, easily... The best place to ship amazing razors for a few bucks. I've been a member for a while now. I love Dollar Shave Club. You might not know, but Dollar Shave Club has many products for pretty much everything in your bathroom. Body wash, shampoo, hair gel, lip balm. Um, they're much more than razors, but that's what I love. I love I, when flying to Australia, there was a little Dollar Shave Club box on the front porch. And I, the clippers are a different voltage in Australia. And I grabbed it just to be safe. And thank God, when I performed at the Sydney Opera House... Twice, I shaved my sidelines and my neck using Dollar Shave Club. Nice. Yeah. Who wants to go through a fucking CVS and try to figure out razors and go, excuse me, can you unlock the razors, please? No. Just have them shipped to you. And they're They're crap, too. They're cheap. Yeah, no shit. These ones are super high quality with their... uh, They got the heavy-weighted razor uh, handles. Mm -hmm. I like that. They look like a nice custom handle. Yeah. They don't look like something you bought at CVS. Dollar Shave Club makes it easy and convenient for you to upgrade your entire shave and bathroom kit all in one. Now, if you don't have to step a foot into a store to get high-quality shave and grooming products, they deliver them right to your door. I shouldn't have crumpled this up. Yeah, it would have been smart. It would have been a lot easier. If you're like me and sick or tired of the nonsense at the stores, right now is the time to try out Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, Dollar Shave Club is basically giving away their shit, shower, and shave. By the way, that's what my dad used to call it. What? You thought I was ad-libbing? No. No, that's in the copy. Good. 
shit shower and shave uh, starter shit, set. Shit shower and shave? That's what a man does. Not anymore. The, All at the same time. The millennials uh, uh, preen, spruce, and goose. Preen, spruce, and goose? I've been drinking. No shit. Can you tell? Yeah. For real? I live with you. Yes, I can tell. Right now, they're giving away, they're basically giving away their shit shower and shave starter set to members, to new members. For only $5, this starter set features their executive razor and three trial size versions of their most popular products that help you stay fresh and clean. So fresh and so clean. Do you, Sweet. Know, do you know who that's from? No. Uh, Outcast. In your first box, you'll receive their shave butter. By the way, I used that to shave my balls one time. Mm-hmm. And I had chafing on my thighs because I had a five o'clock shadow on my balls. <laughs> It. I'm not joking. I no longer use them. I'll do it today. Like I'm gonna obviously shave my balls for what's about to happen. Oh, what's about to happen? Sober October. Mm, you'll see. Is everything sober? Is it abstinent October? Put that dick down. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> can we? Can we use the other sponsor to to? To put a bet on that, <laughs> my book. You'll receive, you'll receive their shave butter body wash and one wipe Charlie butt wipes. You'll also receive their executive razor, which includes their high premium weighty handles and a full set of cartridges. After the first box, replacement cartridges are sent for only a few bucks a month. Wait, did you say butt wipes? Yep. They have butt wipes? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. They're called one wipe Charlie butt wipes. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are great. Are they individually wrapped or are they in like a package? I don't know. Don't know? Hey, Dollar Shave Club, hit me up and send me some butt wipes. Yeah, let's check those out because, I mean, not that I would use any butt wipes, but I... Because you, you, you shit roses. I do. <laughs> You're like a dog. I'm a one-wipe wonder. However, I do not live with a one-wipe wonder, so it'd be interesting to see what they are. Are you talking about Isla? No, I'm talking about you! <laughs> no, I'm Georgia, about you. who shits forever. And then wipes 18 times. 18 she times. could use one wipe Wraps Charlie. her hand in the paper. Oh, poor Georgia. Sorry, George. This offers exclusively... <laughs> hey, Georgia, I'm a big fan of your dad's podcast. I hear you shit forever. <laughs> what are you, Charmin or that Scott tissue? Sandpaper. Scott. <laughs> That's what your dad uses. It's like wiping with sandpaper. <laughs> It's terrible. I like a harder uh, toilet paper. Yeah, there's hard, and then there's ridiculous. Uh, have you ever wiped your eyes with a piece of paper? <laughs> I have. How about a leaf? I've wiped it with a leaf. The Scott is I, I about wiped as... it with a finger. Ew! I never wiped it with a finger. <laughs> left finger? Right finger. <laughs> Why would I go left? Because that's what you do in the country where the way, you wipe I your ass with your hand. I stuck my finger in my ass to try to break that shit up to get it out. That is disgusting. And I did not flush. That is disgusting. This offer is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash birdcast. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash birdcast. Dollar Shave Club's high quality products will have you covered from face cheek to cheek to butt cheek. To butt cheek. They wrote that. There's no better way. There's no better time to try the club. Thank you, Dollar Shave Club, very much. Check them out. This podcast is also brought to you by my bookie. By the way, this is the one that my wife will not green light because uh, I used them this week in Australia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Not only did I lose money, but I also lost the megabytes that it took me because my internet service was slow. So I had to go on my cellular data because oh. I was I was in a low place. I'm in a hotel room, and I thought, 
Let's put some money on some games. It's the middle of the night. Games haven't started. Bet on the Rams. Neither has Sober October, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're betting. You can't do so you can't bet during Sober October? No, I'm just saying you make okay. poor decisions when you're when you're when you're drinking. <laughs> you know, ever since I started this podcast, everyone's been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. <laughs> you got the Patriots or the Steelers, Bert. You got Chicago or Detroit. Let me tell you this. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Did I make that sound like it was in my own words? No. Fuck. Look, my bookie, uh, my bookie is a great uh, place to put bets online. They've been in the business for years. Their rep is solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. They have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. So you know you want to win. If you're like me, you're loyal to a few teams. I always pick uh, Seminoles, Bucks, Rams, and then I always, I always, on and off go Auburn, Alabama. I think that's just because of the SEC. You switch between Auburn and Alabama. Yeah, on who I'm betting on. I yeah. see why Sober October's running the way it's running. I always pick the Patriots. Um, How can you choose between Auburn and Alabama? Because I, I didn't grow up in a trailer like you. With There's one no choice loyalty. there, though. You have to make. You have to choose one. No, when you grow up or anywhere else around the world, it's like Michigan and and the other team. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that, but you can't. You have to choose one. Michigan and Ohio, Ohio State. Here's the point I'm trying to say to you. I recommend this service to my listeners because when you win, they pay. That's all you need to know. It's super easy. They have an interface on your cell phone now. A little app that you can use. Super fucking easy. So I'm telling you when I say this, if you're dealing with a little bit of depression, <laughs> the best way to get out of it is by betting. It genuinely is. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. Nice. Use the promo code Burcast to activate your offer. Visit mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag today using the promo code BERTCAST. All in one word, BERTCAST, B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. You play, you win, you get paid. Motherfucker. I am done with this goddamn read. I am posting this fucking podcast. This has been what? Uh, did you put the Dollar Shade Club slash BERTCAST? Yeah, I'm sure I did. You did? Okay. I think I did. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I did, right? I don't know. Maybe. Let's revisit the Dollar Shave Club read. I don't remember you saying that. Hey, guys, if you forgot about the previous read <laughs> of Dollar up. Shave Club, <laughs> just making sure Dollar Shave Club knows that I'm representing them. Their offer is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash BurtCast. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash BurtCast. I definitely said that. I don't know. I don't know. Dollar Shave Club. High-quality products that will have you... Receiving f- fucking face to butt cheek face. Okay, then just edit that out. But no, fe- I'm not butt editing face. shit out because that's what makes me crazy about a fucking read. I miss the days. Should we start over? No. <laughs> oh my god, I'm fucking melting down. I need a nap. Yeah. And I need. Uh, you need to go fill the pool up with water. Yeah, we just got a pool in the backyard. By the way. Every podcast you hear from here on out will go, what the fuck's going on with your backyard? That's how it'll start. Because we have a pool going in the backyard. My wife apparently changed our living room dining uh, 
coffee table? Yeah. Sweet, right? Nice. I like it. You do? I do. I like it a lot. It's pretty, right? Um, do you have any questions about Australia? No. Do you have any questions about this, this week's guest? No. Do you know him? I don't know who it is. Dan Soder. Do you know anything about him? His last name is Soder? Nope. You want me to tell you about him? Sure. So do you remember that I said I did one of my favorite uh, radio shows? You might not remember this. Remember when I was spiraling out in New York? Which time? You remember? No, you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't know which time you're talking about. In, in, in all sincerity, I don't know which wow. time you're talking about. Um, I went to do The Bonfire. It's Dan and Big J. Mm-hmm. And I have, it's my favorite radio show to do. And I know that's going to, a lot of people are going to hear that and go, oh, I thought Elliot in the Morning, Cowhead. You know, those are all my, they're all my best friends. And, and I love their shows. But like for a radio show that is not a radio show, like when you do Elliot, he's got a prepared interview. When you do Cowhead, he's got shit planned out. When you do The Bonfire, it's a podcast radio show. They have no fucking plans. I'm sure they have plans, but they have a bottle of Tito's and a vape pen passing around. And then all it is is Dan and Big J getting you to tell a story and them tag teaming the story. And so it, it, you know what I should do? I'm going to – I bet I have it on here. I'm going to put on – that's what I'm going to do. At the very beginning of this podcast, I'm going to put on me and Dan and Big J telling my – uh, motorcycle story from Vietnam. I have it on. I'm almost certain I have it on here. Okay. And uh, it's really fucking great. But that's what I love about their show is that it's loose and fun like that. It's just two comics that don't know how to do radio. Sorry, guys. But that's the truth. Dan is someone that I... I he's a part of the, the you know, Nate Bargatze and yeah. uh, Big J, Joe List, Mark Normand, all these guys that are uh, probably a, a, a semester below me in... Um, comedy, like a, a, a class below me, you know, yeah. like I'm older than them. Like you're a senior and they're a junior. I think we're actually, actually they're sophomores. I'm a junior. I, I think. see. If like that. Cause you, Louie and Bobby Kelly and all oh, those yeah, guys yeah. are all Okay. Seniors. I wasn't yeah. relative to the whole world But I think Dan's like that. a sophomore, but he's a sophomore that got held back in my opinion. What? Cause he's funny. Like he's, he's funny. I don't know. I like, they're all sophomores that got held back. They could all be juniors. Like we're all technically on the same page, but this compliment's going backwards. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so we were in Calgary together, and uh, someone texted me and was like, "I think Big J texted me and was like, yo, Soder's in Calgary. You should go hang out with him.' The only way I'd known him before that tech, I mean, I'd, I'd known him and we'd hung out, but he was he was on Bobby Kelly's podcast, and they called him Monster Voice. And so every time I heard his voice, I would recognize his voice and go, "Oh, that's Dan Soder." Monster voice. He has a great Russian impression mm-hmm. that he did on Conan. And all I know is that when I saw it, I thought, wow, that makes my Russian impression sound like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand you're the machine. But so we, Calgary, we did dinner. We did lunch one day in the middle of the day, three hour lunch. All we did was bullshit and talk and gossip and gossip. Literally, we left lunch. This is my, one of my favorite things ever. And he's like, I'll see you tomorrow for lunch. <laughs> we went back and we did lunch again. That's great. He's easily one of the – this is a great podcast. Good. These podcasts like this, fucking home run. Nice. So without further ado, and that's a 23-minute intro, but uh, I think it was fun. And if you didn't like it, you can go uh, – I'll give you the phone number to your mom. You can go fuck your mom. Oh, shut <laughs> up. That's so rude. That's really rude. Uh, I love you, baby. Love I'm you so too. glad to be home. I'm glad you're home too. 
Ladies and gentlemen, today's BirdCast, Dan Soder. This is So the podcast is about to start, but here is that Spanish caravan story that uh, I did with Big J. And then you'll hear this, and then we'll just go right into the podcast. So uh, enjoy the podcast, sir. Get Spanish caravan by the doors ready. What a great prep. So I take motorcycle riding lessons for, uh, I worked for a network, for a, I worked for a network, whatever. So they, they, me, they tell me to take motorcycle lessons. What they tell you when you take motorcycle lessons is, hey, listen, 80% of the fatalities happen due to inebriation for the driver. That's 80% right now. So if you cut that out, you just don't drink and drive, you, you, you cut out 80, your odds are up 80 what I, I'm sure what you're supposed to hear in that is, hey, don't drink and drive. Yeah. <laughs> what I heard is it must be fucking magical if, if <laughs> everyone it, keeps doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the numbers like, well, that sounds like those guys are 80%. This those is happening that much. Those guys are going out doing what they love. <laughs> Just fucking tossed the wind through your yeah. hair. Hey, guys. Hey, Debbie, why don't you pour me a stiff one? I'm going to go out on the highway. Helmetless. Oh. <laughs> hey, can you get me one of those beer helmets while I'm on my hog? You know what? Everyone says that the tears get in your face, but I feel like if you're hammered, you don't feel it. Oh. I'm not even going to wear glasses. Yeah, oh. I'm not even going to get a bug guard. Yeah. So I, I ride motorcycles. I ride motorcycles for like, I rode them to Sturgis, through Montana, through the Talladega National Forest. I ran, rode them in, in Hawaii. I rode them all over the world. For- I got offered that Black Hills ride. It's uh, in, in Sturgis. It's amazing. But I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle, so I got, they filmed me instead on the back of a 65-year-old lady's like trike bike, where it's oh. the big bench seat in the back. Yeah. yeah. But it's still oh. pretty goddamn amazing. It's fucking <laughs> amazing. And so, but the whole time I did it all sober, I did it all sober. So, cut to, I'm in Vietnam. I'm in Vietnam. Yeah. Where, where, where were you at? Uh, I, River Delta? Uh, yeah, something Were you like co-headlining that. with Tom Rhodes? <laughs> <laughs> what are the reasons to be in Vietnam? Yeah. Fight a war. Was, or war. We were in there to go. We were going to do a six-hour hike into the jungle is in the world's biggest cave. You type in the world's biggest cave, Vietnam, you'll see it. It's fucking amazing. Filled with bats. Crazy. Hike through the six hours. Pit vipers. Downhill, uphill. through. The, it's like being in an Oliver Stone movie. Six hours in, spend the night in the jungle. Six hours out, we got Sherpas, we got porters, we got everything. And then we get out of the jungle, we get into this bus, we're soaking wet, we're beat, we had a bad night's sleep, we're tired as fuck. I walked 33,000 steps on my Fitbit both days. We get out, we get to our farm stay, and my Sherpa my, my, has a, a, he's, I see them all hanging in a circle. I go, hey guys, what's going on? They're smoking hash. Yeah. And they're like, would you like some? I was like, I think I've earned it. So, <laughs> yeah. like, so I take had it. had quite a day. Yeah, I've had a fucking two days. I, I could take a little. You, you, said, you said the word soldier? Yeah. You, said the, you said the words pit vipers. Pit vipers. They're snakes, yeah. green snakes that are uh, poisonous that wrap around trees. So as you're hiking, when you go to grab a tree, sometimes, didn't happen to any of us, people will grab the snake. Ah, so fuck you, that so, shit. So that, that is the, the hike you're on. So when you get done and they offer you a bowl of, of hash, you're like, I'll take it. Yeah, that or a gold emulet. It is. I take, <laughs> I take a conservative hit of a highly energetic hash. I feel very good. I then get a big, tall Vietnamese beer. I pound one of those. Open my second one. Take a second hit of hash. Start drinking my second beer. I'm feeling really fucking good. <laughs> and out of the corner of my eye, I see a motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like... If there is ever an opportunity to ride, yeah, yeah. So no could, DUI laws in Vietnam. I'm in the middle of nothing but rice patties. Yeah. It's just rice patties. You're knee deep in the shit. I'm knee deep in the shit. <laughs> You're two clicks outside of Da Nang. Two clicks out of that. You guys are turning this into a pit. Who's gonna stop you, Ho Chi Minh? Yeah. No one's stopping yeah. me. Charlie don't care about motorcycles. <laughs> 
So I go to the guy who owns the farm stay. I go, hey, man, I noticed you have a motorcycle. Do you mind if I take it for a spin? He goes, have you been smoking <laughs> I said, I have. And he goes, perfect. You're going to love it. <laughs> he goes, he goes, play, take Spanish caravan. Get your headsets. Go go up just like like a hundred yards up the into the rice paddies on this like dirt road. Take a left through the rice paddies, and it opens up. It's like a little stretch. It's like a quarter of a mile. You can open it up. It's totally safe. It's flat. It's 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 a bridge. It's an earthen bridge that's been there for a hundred years. He goes, just listen to Spanish caravan by the doors and fucking open it up. He this goes, sounds like something I want to go do. So, so I take the motorcycle. I go. I go. You have a helmet, and he goes, you don't want one. <laughs> You don't want one. He goes, let, let it let it be. You're out there. And so I get headsets. I get my fucking thing. I op- I go to the thing. Hit Spanish Caravan. Tell me if this isn't. <laughs> right? I take it. I cut into the two rice patties. Yeah. I, I settle. I look at it. The sun's setting. There's oxen on each side. Birds are sitting on top of the oxen's head. And I'm like, here we go. I fucking click it down to first gear. Fucking hit it. And open it up. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And I start getting like 10 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. And I'm fucking hauling ass and I'm having the most spiritual moment of my fucking life. I can feel my face splitting earth, splitting time, <laughs> splitting space. My hair is racing. Oxes are looking at me like, you're a bad motherfucker, Burke Kreischer. The fucking, the sun's winking at me. I'm like, this is what it's about. This is what life's about. I'm feeling it. This is what love's about. You're vulnerable. You're all the fun's happening between your legs. And all of a sudden, cut it. My phone rings. And I'm brought back to earth. And I look at it, and it's Joe Rogan. (laughs) I go, hello? And he goes, powerful Burt Kreischer, what are you doing right now? I go, "Uh, I'm high as fuck riding motorcycles (laughs) through rice paddies in Vietnam. And he goes, you're a bad motherfucker. He goes, listen to me. These life experiences you have, you have to remember every fucking single part of them. He goes, this is what stand-up's about. Fuck Travel Channel, fuck that. He goes, you go out and you live these things and write about them on stage. Bring them back to life. And I was like, I will. And he goes, I'm not going to take you any more time. So I'm like, okay. So I fucking get off the phone with him, crank it up, Spanish fairing, it comes back in. I'm just... Now I'm turned around and I'm going back and I see my shadow racing me. My shadow's in front of me. And I'm like this total Peter Pan moment. I really am Peter Pan. And I'm flying. I'm like, fuck yeah! I'm literally holding on thinking if I let go, I'm going to die. And my wife calls. <laughs> she immediately is like, what are you doing? I was like, it works so well with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he was so supportive of this idea. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes, everyone in the world understands why this is a fantastic thing to do. <laughs> I go, I'm high as fuck riding motorcycles and race paddies in Vietnam. She goes, get the fuck off the bike. She's like, you're not the machine. You're a father of two. You have high blood pressure. Go home. <laughs> and I just fucking walked him home. I walked the bike home. What happened? What happened to a man enjoying life? <laughs> He's better half call. Oh. Tell him to stop. Joe, oh. Rogan, Joe Rogan gives you his most spiritual answer. He goes... These are the moments where you open up your soul and you Joe, find out the true makings of a man. Joe, and your wife's like, moron! Oh, get off the bike, you idiot! Oh, 85% of people die like this! Is it? <laughs> he was like, for the first. This is how people die! You know the statistics! It's the most reason people die. It's the, it's the, the 80 percentile. This is how you're gonna die, you're not like a condom in Haiti! Like, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. Oh, the best part is that night. I go I go back to the farm stay. I get the bike back. He's like, did you fall? I was like, no, my wife called. 
And, so, and then I couldn't like crank it back up. My energy was kind of zapped. She's like, we have an IEP meeting with Isla's teachers tomorrow. You've got to fly from Vietnam to LA. So I get into bed. Uh, I get into bed and the fucking owner of the, <laughs> oh, this is, I swear to God, true. Owner of Farmstay, I'm in bed. He comes into my room at like 2 a.m. 2 a.m. He opens my door. He's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm like, I'm okay. Sits at the foot of your bed. Yeah, he's, he's in my room. He's he in my fucking room. And I'm like, are, are, is everything okay? You having a bad dream, buddy? He's, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I know you're kind of bummed out about the wife phone call and everything. I thought you could use this. And he leans over to my bed and he hands me a puppy. What? <laughs> I swear to fucking God. <laughs> An emotional he pet? A, he goes, no, a puppy. He no, I'm saying like something to make you feel better. He goes, he's like, I thought you could use this to cuddle with. And I was like, fuck, thank you. <laughs> and I cuddled with a puppy. Okay. Hey, buddy, you sleeping? Well, this squirmy little thing I got right here, this is Reginald. Yeah, he's this your new is, best friend. This oh. is Nigel. He's this never is... made me feel sad. You know what he does? He rides in a basket on the front of the motorcycle when I take my spirit drives. Figure oh. you get home and tell Rogan the story, and he goes, I never called you. Just, just, whenever you want to defend yourself doing something dumb, you always believe that I call you. Your phone is right. You're talking in a dial tone. And, and you're, you're right, Joe. These are the moments we I live for. Joe, I'm so free. I am the powerful bird. He's, uh. like, he's like, you realize I was calling UFC fight at that exact moment. <laughs> what? Oh. Joe, Rogan, Joe Rogan's your spirit animal. That's great. Oh. You're flying, Bert. Get on the front of the bike. Stand up. Stand up on the motorcycle. Oh, Jesus, Moses. Stand up on the bike. Because 80% of uh, people who die on, on motorcycle fatalities were uh, were drunk and driving. Because 30% of those people were standing on the bike at the time. 20% thought they got a call from Joe Rogan. That's the question they asked to go. Hey, Bert, uh, Joe you're... Rogan. Go faster. Yeah. You think you could do a wheelie into that rice paddy? <laughs> oh. That little patch of dirt looks like a cool ramp. Oh. Dude, can you hang out with us for a bit? I'm not, yeah, I, I was going to hang out forever. Fuck Ride yeah. it out, dude. Let's okay. do it. We'll be right back, everyone. Bert Kreischer, Bonfire. This is. All right, talking there. Check, check, check. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I have a dumb, deep voice. Let me see you again. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. This is me talking. Um. Yeah, I look back at that poster. I look back at like when I when I started, and I go. I mean, I said this to someone the other day. I go, if you knew all the odds of how hard it was to make it in this business, would you start it again? And I was like, and... That's a good question. Because I was completely... I think you're so blinded by just wanting to do it. It's like anything. If you just want to do it and you keep showing up and doing it, then all of a sudden 10 years go by and you look back and you're like, I'm fucking doing this for a job. Yeah. That's why that, uh, I don't know if you know that Dana Gould speech that he gave at, at Just for Laughs. No. Like three years ago. I want to say it was three years ago at Just for Laughs. But I reread that probably like twice or three times a year. What did he say? He has this whole speech about like, don't let the industry think you failed. Yeah. Don't let them make you feel like a failure. Don't like walk around being like, my, my show didn't get picked up. I didn't get this role. My stand, you know, I'm not selling out theaters. He's like, you're a comic. You've already won. You get to do this for your job. Like, yeah. you've done it. You've made it. Now it's all gravy. And I know it's easier to say when you have some money in the bank, but it's true. It's like if you live by that, I think they can't fuck with you. If you're like, dude, I, we get to be comics. Yeah, that's the weird 
That's the weird part is I guess we did win. Yeah, no. All, we, the, all the stuff we wanted. But they want you to think that you didn't win, so you keep taking their opinions. I'm, I'm obsessed right now with how many people... Like, I wake up and I go... I go... I get excited and I was like, t- today I woke up and I thought of a joke yeah. and I was like, I was like, um, I'm going to think I'm going to write a little bit today. Like I don't, I don't like long form, write. I don't yeah. sit down at a computer and like write, but I was like, I think I'm going to write today. And then I was like, I wrote this joke. I think I, I go, I think I'm done. Like I was like, I got that one joke. That was more than enough for one day. <laughs> yeah. It re- it, you really see, um, how committed and lazy comics are in one writing session. Cause yeah. I'll be like, Phew. Two to four, probably get two hours of writing in. And then by 225, I'm like, I'll get a game of Madden, and then I'll come back to the writing. And then after Madden, I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm yeah. late. Now I'm late. It's 430, and i got to be somewhere. See, my, my problem is, I, like, I, I, we, I did Rogan the other day, and he was explaining, I think, to me, Ari and Tom. Although, you know, if someone says, if someone is talking to a room, and they go, here's the deal. You, you, got, you need to write. Like, yeah. I, I hear that internally. I go, oh, oh this conversation's meant for me. Yeah. Oh, they, apparently they've seen my act and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know what's crazy about that is I don't think you ever get over that feeling because I remember watching an interview with Seinfeld and he said, like, he's, this guy's a legend. And he's like, I'm still worried they're going to come to my door, knock on it and be like, hey, comedy police, we know you're faking it. Oh. And he's like, oh. And it's like, that's how I think, I think that's just a constant. That's like a... a that's part of the hazards of this job is you're just going to feel that way for the rest of the time. But yeah, I think writing is, I mean, being friends with Nate Bargatze, who's one of my best friends and he, watching how he, he writes material because he just rants about it. And then yeah. he'll be like, I think there's something to that. And then he'll do it on stage and then you'll see him three weeks later and it's a seven minute chunk. Yeah. And you're like, God damn it. Cause I sit down and bang my head on the desk. Like, all right, you know, like I had this thought that was funny. Now let me try to, and I live with Mike Vecchione, who's just a fucking beast and great at right. Like he could take a subject and come out with 40 punchlines by the end of the day. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird. I think it's like trying to find where you feel comfortable. Well, my, you know what I'm, I'm having a hard time with is like no, two things. I'm getting ready to shoot my special in February. Yeah. At, by the way, so excited. The truck. Yeah. <laughs> you, Good job, yeah, Bert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where I filmed my hour special. It's fucking great. Yeah. It's the perfect. I just love it. I love it. It's like a rock venue, but theatery feeling because they've yeah. got the levels and the way they build out. The, you know, depending on how you build your stage, it feels like a tiny, intimate theater, but also still rock club feeling. Yeah, where you're yeah. like, it's awesome. I would like to have. I did. I did. I, I shot two shows at the comedy works in denver yeah last week and uh and we're gonna see what it looks like we're gonna see the material here's my problem i have with my stuff is i go part of me goes uh i i I think i've written more than enough material for the special yeah and now i need to figure out what goes in the special that's a good problem except i get bored very easily and so I want I want to just keep writing more and go. Yeah. That's when you know the the week out when you find that one bit you're like fuck you just made it in the special. Yeah, I did that with um, the Netflix with the standups and 30, I, 30 minutes. Thirty minutes is the perfect. Oh. Joey Diaz. By the way, 
Netflix, if you guys are listening, Joey Diaz is the guy. Yeah. You put him up, he's like, dog, give me one of those specials. <laughs> I'll fucking crush it. Yeah. He crushes everything, though. He crushes everything. He crushes an hour, so I don't doubt that yeah. Joey Diaz but can't he's crush like, it. He was saying that he was like, those are the perfect fucking vehicles. I mean, dude, Nate was Nate was like, the whole time we were filming and hanging out, because it's, by the way, the only time I've ever, and probably will ever, be able to film a special with my best friend, yeah. where we Airbnb'd a house in the hills and hung out, me, him, and Vecchione, and filmed the special. And it's 30. So by the time you're like in it and you're used to a headlining set where you're like, all right, about halfway, they're like, all right, wrap it up. And you're like, yeah. oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> but I got greedy and I had a brand new joke yeah. the week before. And I talked to Robbie at Netflix. I'm like, hey, let me throw in. Can I throw in this 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 bit? And I liked I was just so excited about what I had so far that, of course, Murphy's Law, a month later, I'm on stage on the road and I find the perfect punchline for the whole bit that just you know ties it up and hits hard and you're like fuck dude dude i did i did the fucking machine story for four fucking years five years yeah put it on my showtime special yeah goes uh goes viral and then and then i go to the first club to do it and there's a part where the cop the igor says to the cop um fuck you we fuck you in the mouth we fuck you in the ass we i go stop with the wee shit that was in the normal thing yeah i go stop with the wee shit i'm not fucking anybody and then the next week, after I've already done it, I, re- I, I do the line. I mean, I'll hold him down and yeah. be like, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. <laughs> See? And then you're like, and then, and like, then you're like where was that? Where yeah. was that before? For the, for the for past four years. years. For By four the way, years. the joke I'm talking about is a joke about having a sexual fetish that involves a night terror, where I just invo- I talk about ha- seeing my first night terror when I was 12 years old and I had an erection. I, w- I woke up and I had a full-on fucking hard-on. And I was like, if something different happens in that moment, that becomes a fetish. If like a light breeze hits my neck, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then now I'm at some roadside motel. But the punchline I found was I explained hiring a hooker to get to have a night terror and meet a fucker. And then at the end, all the only tag I found is just, oh, what if I just got some grizzled grizzle prostitute that goes, oh, you want the night terror? And it just lights up. And you're like, where the fuck was that? Yeah. Where was that when I had when I needed that thing? And that that's is just, the fucking frustration. That's what comedy is, though, because you like find it and you do it. I was having a problem because uh, my half hour I taped, I taped my hour special December of 2015. And I taped the half hour March of 2017. So about 14 months. That's really tight. Really tight. And and some of the jokes were born off riffs from my special that I had. I riffed something about the grandma voice thing. And then that becomes a bit. And you're like, but it tied in so well with that old bit I had on the special. Like if I could have that chunk, that would have been a killer fucking chunk. And you're like, well, there it goes. It's it's funny because... uh all the stuff that I didn't put in my last special yeah. that I just couldn't work in are now are now tent poles in yeah. this special. Yeah. But but I also I'll tell you the one criticism I would give about the thirty minutes is that uh, I'll just say you and Nate because that's who we're talking yeah. about. I won't talk shit about anyone. But uh, when I watched yours, yeah, I wasn't done at thirty. Okay, I, I could have watched more. Thanks. Like wh- that's the problem is. But that's what you want, and I think that's what's weird about our culture right now. Like, when I see a lot of people setting up, like, Patreon pages and, like, all this stuff where they're like, do you want extra content? It's like, motherfuckers, chill on the content. Leave them wanting more. Here's the deal. I'd sign a deal with Netflix to do 30s if they gave me four of them. Yeah, well, so a lot of things, I don't know how many people have revealed this publicly, but we did sign deals to do – it was a half hour with an hour option. Oh, really? So Netflix wasn't just like, here's a half hour, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. half hour, if you have something in the next two to three years, it's going to go on Netflix. Yeah. And you're like, 
Oh, yeah. Fuck okay. yes, of course. Yeah. And that's the best feeling is now it's kind of like this feeling of like, all right, I have that if I, if I need it or want it. Yeah. It's available. It's not like I have to do it, but it's there and I want it. So now I have this like wide open field just to be like, how do I get better as a comic? What about, okay, what about this? And, and this is what I struggle with. I, I understand the paradigm. I never understood the paradigm of touring your new hour to put on a special, then rewriting. I never understood that. Now I get it. Yeah. Uh, you go and you do, and I don't, may, I think maybe I didn't get it because I couldn't do this, but you do. Uh, clubs the first six months yeah. of uh, after doing a special and hang out in your city and do a bunch of spots at the store and the improv and the cellar and the stand. Yeah. And then you do a theater tour where you start really fine-tuning that that uh, that special included with some bigger clubs like Stand Up Live, yeah. uh, West Palm, you know, the, the, the Cobbs. And then you do your hour and then you repeat. And that's an 18-month process. I, I I mean, whatever happened to, like, having your act and doing it for, like, a couple of years? Yeah. Like, and, or three or four years, because, like, your first special is always your best. Because it's everything that's led to that. It's everything. It's all this. It's like if it's, you took 10 years to write a book. Yeah, it's everything, You because you have all that experience. And I think I've already told... Uh, Netflix, my agents or whatever, I'm like, hey, don't even start to talk to me about the process till yeah. 2019. 2019. Wow. And I'm like, and I've already gone ahead and been like, schedule me. I love what Ari Shafir did. Ari went to Edinburgh and worked the hour until it was fucking airtight. Did two more weeks in the States to kind of reacclimate it to like American yeah. comedy and then taped it. And he did, you know, a 90-minute special, 45 and 45, and I fucking love that. And yeah. when you watch it, you can see that, like, oh, this dude knows this hour. He knows where it's going, but also he leaves space to fuck around. And that's what I kind of think. I want to do that thing where it's like, give me a couple of years. I want to disappear. Oh, I still want to do shit, obviously, bonfire and whatever other side stuff I can do. But as far as stand-up goes, it's like, maybe pop up and do a Colbert, whatever, but... After putting out an hour and a half hour, I'm fucking gone now. Now I want to be a, a much better and a different comedian when you see me in 2019. I'm, I'm excited. <clears throat> I feel like the one I'm working on right now will be better than my last one. Yeah. But I'm excited to transition into something new yeah. where I go, like, I, th- I think my next next one, I think I'm going to do... I wanted. I want to go to Edinburgh yeah. and do like a one man show. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's about, what I want to do as well about uh, the Travel Channel experience and traveling the world. Oh, so you want to have a specific theme? I, I think because I like what Ari's doing with themes. I don't. I, I like what he's doing with themes because that does force you to write. I didn't like it initially. Yeah. At first, I was like, I was like, just because because my process is whatever's funny makes the show. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I like. I have a dream right now about. Um, I have a dream that I tell on, on stage. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't fit my act at all. But the, the talent, or not the talent, but the, the struggle is, how do you fit this dream into your act? Yeah. How do you fit? That's the, dude, I am so obsessed after doing my last hour at arc yeah. and, and pacing that I go, oh, fuck. I'm, I'm like, and I'm so in the thick of it right now trying to figure it out. However, I, after watching Ari's specials, I was like, you know, it's so not Ari. It, you know, he's such a, yeah. such a store guy of like, 
murder, get pussy. Murder, get pussy. Get high, murder, get pussy. Are you talking about the pussy he, like, to the New York guys in L.A.? It's like a kid that transferred from California to Pennsylvania, and he's telling you about the girls that went to his high school, where he's like, you guys don't know. He's like, New York comics, you guys don't know. He said something the other day. He goes, whatever happened to the days, you know, whatever happened to the days where you're just like, hey, I'm getting fucked by the cooler. And you're like, <laughs> what? Yeah, what? How did you, what kind of 70s story is that? He's a, he is such a, I, I got to be honest with you, he is the glue. Everyone that knows Ari doesn't know Ari. Like, yeah. they think they know all these fans that think that Ari is the glue that connects the East and West Coast. 1,000%. I would say that he is like, a, he's the bridge. He, he's Ari the bridge Shafir. People will say in the future, and this is hyperbole. I speak in hyperbole. I speak in fucking big terms. I, oh, I could run a fucking marathon tomorrow. I love it. That's some professional wrestler shit. Yeah, it's me. I'm going to dominate one coast at a time. I grew up in Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Paul Orndorff was a neighbor. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Wonderful was oh, your yeah. neighbor? Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan's a neighbor. Hulk Hogan and I have houses across the street from each other in Clearwater. That's so awesome. And so, once again, that's hyperbole. It's yeah. like down the street. Yeah. <laughs> brother. <laughs> I need some sugar, brother. <laughs> yeah. And so... uh but it will be said in the future that Ari Shafir is one of the most important people in comedy yeah. simply based on the fact that he did everything different and he did that storytelling show, with which I think advanced comedy and advanced the way people told their comedy yeah. and did their comedy. And he sold it to a major network and he did four years, three years technically, four, four years. EP, yeah. And, and, and. And brought East Coast and West Coast together when they had never been brought together before like that. Yeah, he um, he he was such a big person to just take a bunch of comics from L.A. and introduce them to New York. I mean, he ingratiated himself in New York. It was it was awesome to watch because I knew of Ari, and yeah. you know, from being a fan of of comedy, I knew who Ari was. But didn't really know him. Big J knew him. Then that kind of happened, and then Ari was friends with, like, you know, the Legion of Skanks and Jay and then myself, and then just started – and then he would bring people from L.A. and be like, hey, this is this guy. Yeah. Started making intros. Every time I've came to L.A., the only time I've gone to the comedy store is with Ari because that's, like – he's I call him the Sherpa. He, like, leads you there, either whether you're doing drugs or up the mountain. He's like, here, just come with me. Walk with me. This is so-and-so. This yeah. person's good. And his validation – to other people is like, hey, this is my friend. Immediately, Immediately Ari's such like, a genuine article that you're like, okay, I know you're not lying about this guy. We're cool. That's the thing about Ari is that it is also his flaw, but he's such a genuine article yeah. that, yeah, he says some crazy stuff sometimes yeah. where you're like, hey, man, are you autistic? Oh, uh, dude, like, I thought about that Huffington Post interview, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, what did he say in that? He said, kill politicians. He goes, you want change? Kill politicians. You're like, Ari... God damn if I don't respect where you're coming from. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. There, there are black ops and shit that you don't know about that are going to hear about you now. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he is, he is, uh, I love his excitement. You know, he can't swim at all, barely. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. We went, we went swimming at Tommy's, Tom Segura's pool the other night. <laughs> yeah. And, uh. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, see if you can swim to the other side and hold your breath. And he's like, okay. And his version of that was to swim on top of the water. Like yeah. No one holds their breath and swims. Like, and he was slapping the water with his hands and kicking with his feet. And I was like, I go, hey, can you swim? And he goes, of course I can swim. Of course I can swim. I go, dude, for the record, 
Let me show you how you do this. Yeah. You hold your breath and you push off on the wall like a torpedo, yeah. arms out. Yeah. And then when you see yourself stop moving, you pull the water past you and you go to the south. And he was like, oh, okay. I have this whole theory about East Coast kids, kids that were raised in the like tri-state area or yeah. like that kind of area, the upper East Coast, where they have no clue how to swim or camp. Dude. Like those are two things where they're like, Joe List had the perfect term for him. He calls them city hicks. He goes, they're city. He goes, they're like hicks, but they're from a big city. Yeah. He's like, they don't know how to. And swimming is always one of those things where they're like, oh, I don't know how to swim. I'm like, you're 30. You like to meet these people. And they're like, just never learned how to swim. And you're like, why? And Because like, there's no pools in New York City. And you're like, well, that sucks. Uh, uh, Matt Frost. Doesn't, that's how Matt Frost such a big guy. Swim, but he's terrified of the water. Oh. Terrified of the water. Um, you know, it's so funny. Me, Bobby Kelly, and uh, and Matt Frost and Vincent Nastry yeah. were um, went to Utah. We were in Utah, and I was like, "Hey, well, let's rent a fucking speedboat and get out in the canyons." And, and you're like, Florida, so you're like, "Woo, dude!" I'm me. drinking beers, yeah. fucking flying through the canyons. <laughs> yeah. I grew up on boats, yeah. and they're like, "I'm back! You're fucking killing me!" Is <laughs> Bobby? Bobby? Yeah, Bobby's do, 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 do. Fucking serious. Serious. <laughs> you wanna, can I tell you my favorite Bobby Kelly story? Yeah. So Bobby Kelly goes, he goes, uh, <laughs> we get an inner tube. I go, we'll go tubing. He goes, what's tubing? And I go, <laughs> I go, you get on the back of the tube and you hold on and then I'll pull you. And he's like, all right. So we go. And the whole point of tubing is to Hit. try to knock the guy off the tube. It's how long you can hold on. Yeah. If you don't understand going in on to grab the tube, yeah. the entire game isn't, let me look around and just be dragged around by a boat. It's I'm going to get bucked by some fucking waves. So I go and I start to whip him. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he flies off and he is fucking steaming. I pull up. I go, hop on. Let's go again. He goes. I'm going to fucking kick your ass. I'm fucking kicking your ass. I go, Bobby, Bobby, how dare you fucking throw me around like that? Do not fucking hurt me. You, God damn it, Bert. Give me in that boat. I'm going to, I go, and now I'm circling him. I go, I'm not letting you in the boat. I'm not letting you in the boat. I'm laughing, right? He's kicking. Just the thought of Bobby's legs kicking while he's yelling, going, if you could see through the water. Dude, I'll fucking kill you, dude. I'm going to fucking get me in the boat. You fucking disrespected me, dude. Frosty, pull in the boat. I'm going to get me in the boat so I can kick his ass. And I go, I'm not letting you in the boat, Bobby. I go, listen. I go, listen, I'm sorry. Now we're, we're 10 feet from each yeah. other, 20 feet from each other. Boat stopped. And he's not swimming towards us. I go, Bobby. Is he doing the wave thing? Yeah. Or is that kind of a waves are, are riding? Him? I go, Bobby, the point of, of tubing is, is what I just did. And he goes, I don't want that. I want a pleasurable ride. And so I go, all right, I can do that, Bobby. But I think you're going to find it very boring. He goes, dude, pull me behind the fucking boat and don't fuck with me. So he gets on the tube and I pull him. At a, like a, at like twenty miles per hour, and he's just sitting there behind it, <laughs> looking around, and then he goes, "Fucking flip me!" <laughs> we were pulling him for like five, uh, five minutes of him just like looking, and then he was like, oh, "This is fucking pointless." Dude. So then I got on the tube. I go now, Bobby. I get on the tube, and you get to do to me what I did to you. And he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking light you up!" Yeah. And uh, it was fucking hilarious. I. As someone that has uh, been yelled at by Bobby at an incredible That's amount. That's where I first ever heard you. Yeah. Monster voice. Yeah. On That's his, on, you I know what, dude? heard you. Uh, that must have been four years ago. Longer. Dude, I think it was like six years ago. Probably. My fucking framing is off. Yeah. 2011 was when Bobby, I started opening for Bobby yeah. and he uh, had me on his podcast. But he is the it's the most terrifying and then one of the most hilarious things to watch Bobby scream at you. And then realize he's wrong. Yeah. Because it's 
vindication in a way that I cannot explain. Where he'll be like, don't you fucking, don't fucking do that, don't you fucking, I told you to be at the fucking car, da, 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 da. and you're like, alright, I'm sorry, Bobby. And he's like, yeah, just fucking take you back And then like, he finds out, and he's like, alright, dude, well, you know, that, that's not the case. And like, it changes so fast that you're like, wait, what? So I'm not in trouble? What the fuck happened? He said, he said. Oh, dude. I, by the way, I can tell Bobby Kelly stories forever. <sighs> and I'm, by the way, I'm not, I do not want to make it sound like I'm, that Bobby's uh, foolish or anything. So I, I know that, dude, like, he's... like, but, but, but there are, there is a part of having a friend where you see them being silly and they don't know what they're saying. They're trying to be noble. Yeah. Me and I, I, think, I don't know who's in the room. I don't know if you were there. I don't, I, I don't remember. This is one night, probably a few years ago. We're doing a late night podcast. This is when Bobby told me he's worried about me because I was overweight. Okay, and then he's I wasn't like, there. And then he goes, uh, he goes, you know, Bert, I'm I'm doing a bad Bobby impression. Dad, I'm 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 buying pants the other day, and I have a moment of clarity. I go, my in my waist is bigger than my inseam. Can you believe that my waist is bigger? Then my inseam, and I'm looking at everyone, and they're like, "Yeah, mine too." Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people whose waist are bigger than their inseam. Yeah, He's you, like, "What?" I go, Dude, I'm fucking skinny, and I wear a 36, 34. <laughs> yeah. like, I go, "I'm 38, 30." Who are you hanging out yeah. with, Bobby? And Bobby's like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's very do, common. Do you just hang out with seven footers? <laughs> He's like, yeah, dude. And I realize, you know, my weight, dude, I love, god damn, I love it. I've been, have you ever been mad at Bobby and then he doubles back on anger and then you're like, oh boy, that was a bad idea. I have never, I've never been mad at Bobby. Oh, I Only got because, it. only because I am, and I think Bobby would admit this, I am someone that frustrates the living shit out of him. Okay. Because I cast a large wake. I have a problem. I have a problem. I'm trying to fix it in therapy. I, I don't, And I don't know why I did this. I don't know at what point in my life I decided to... Um, so I remember someone said to Segura, how can you hang out with Bert? And he, he was like, what? what do you mean? And they're like, isn't he like loud and obnoxious? And he was like, yeah, but if you like Bert, then it's not obnoxious. It's yeah. just loud. And he goes, and I like big personalities. I like being around a big personality who likes to fill the room. I love filling a room. I like. I don't mind being the butt of a joke, but at the same time, I, I, I don't even realize I am sometimes. I mean, you really are explaining exactly my friendship. If I'm on Tom's side with Luis J. Gomez, where people are yeah. like, how do you hang out with that dude? And you're like, because I love him. Yeah. Because he's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And yeah, he's loud. I mean- there was a moment where we went to see Arrival right when the, the movie came out with Amy Adams. I thought you meant Arrival. Oh, like, we went like, to go see Arrival and we danced through, yeah, with the dance <laughs> fight. Real West Side Story shit. But we, I go to see the movie Arrival with Lewis and he's late as always. And he's yeah. like, dude, just get the tickets and meet me in there. And it's fucking packed. It's sold out. And I yeah. have two tickets that I bought on Fandango. So, And my friend Carlos and his wife are there. And they reserve two seats for us. And it's kind of up close. The first 20 minutes of Arrival <laughs> is a pretty silent movie. It's pretty quiet. And Lewis is like, we get to, Lewis is late. I'm like, dude, fucking movie's about to start. He's, like, He's sweating because he penny boarded there. Oh, yeah, I think at the time it was rollerblading. Oh, he might have rollerbladed. And he goes, and he, when you're mad, he'll just make you feel like a bitch for being mad. Yeah. We're like, what are you mad about? It's not even that big of a deal. Shut up. So he shows up. I'm like, dude, you're fucking late. The previews have already started, and the movie's about to start. Yeah. And he's like, I want to get a snack. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm late. And he goes, just go sit in there, and I'll get you a snack. He's like, dude, chill out. And he's like trying to be nice. He's yeah. like, I'm going to buy you a snack, and I'll meet yeah. you in there. And I'm like, 
I'm just fucking irritated already. So I go in this and I sit down at arrival, and all of a sudden you just hear like someone clumping down down the fucking walkway and in the theater, and you look back down the aisle, and there's Lewis, and he's got a plate full of snacks. And he sits down, and he's got nachos with, like, crunchy <laughs> chips. And it's, like, Amy Adams, like, looking at her daughter. And, like, her daughter's – no, you know, spoiler alert. You see it in the first got two. nachos. Dude, her daughter's dying of cancer in the movie. And Lewis is like <laughs> – He goes, did the aliens come yet? Are the aliens – You're like, dude, no. Shut up. I'm getting so mad. I've said it before, Legion of Skanks. <laughs> he's just eating loud food. But I've said it before. He's the Puerto Rican Larry David. Yeah. Like, he just does shit where you're like, you're making everyone around you angry, Lewis. But I love him so much. And then during the middle of the line, he uh, but he makes people laugh too. That's the yeah. thing. There's this line in Arrival. If you if you haven't seen the movie, I won't say what it is. But it really uh, almost ruined the movie for me by the end, where it's this really corny line. Wait, hold on, hold on. Everyone, uh, if you haven't seen Arrival and you want to see that movie, Arrival, don't listen right now. Right That's now. The line. But there's a line where um, I forget who the male lead is, but he looks over to Amy Jeremy Adams, Renner. Jeremy Renner, and he goes. This whole time I was looking up there for something when really I just had to look down here and Lewis goes, oh, come on. And he says that <laughs> and I fucking am dying laughing. But so are the first the row in front of us, the row behind yeah. us, because Lewis nailed it. Oh. And it's like that's but that's what you're talking about with Tom, where you're yeah. like, where, where people who don't know, like my friend Carlos knows Lewis. So he's like, no, nah, he's funny. But his wife is like, this guy is eating so loud. Yeah. And arrival, it's like just airlock doors and him just being like, <laughs> and you're like, the fucking animal but i that's the big personality kind of i i have i like my wife is just like uh she's just consigned to the fact that like i'm gonna piss people off yeah like but not in like like we went to a we went to the they were doing the fifth grade last year was doing my oldest daughter youngest daughter they were doing a a presentation of the parents of the fifth graders who'd been there all the all whole all seven five years or six years and so I go in, she's like, you should do this, they're going to do a presentation to you, so you should be there. And I was like, okay. So I show up, <clears throat> my buddy Stephen Fromkin and Kathy Fromkin get us seats right behind the the new principal and the, all the four women that run the school, that, that are like the all the heads of the school. Yeah, a real humorous bunch. Right. And, I, and then sit me and my wife right behind them. Yeah. And I come in and I go, yo. Why'd you get us these fucking seats? Yeah. And Leanne's like, the last seats, they're good seats, Bert. And I was like, yeah, but we're right behind all the squares. Yeah. And they're and she's like, they can fucking hear you. I go, they know they're squares. And I go, I'm gonna annoy the shit out of them. And they're like, and they're like, it's gonna be fine. Like they're fine. It's gonna be fine. So Wait, gonna, they were saying that? They, yeah. And they're, they're like, it's gonna be fine. This is gonna be fast. So they go up and instead of starting the presentation, they decide to do a one and a half hour PTA meeting. What? That we are now locked into. And it's elections for ne- next year. We're electing the next PTA president for next year. So they suckered you. So I go, I go, and then I'm like, yo, I'm like, we're going to w- sit through this whole fucking PTA meeting. I go, I'm, I'm going outside. And Leanne's like, don't go anywhere. And they're like, all right, we're taking nominations for president. And they go, we've got Jenna Schwartz. Uh, everyone, she's running unopposed. Are there, everyone say yay. Everyone says yay. And they goes, are there any nays? I go, nay. And fucking 10 dads lose their mind yeah, laughing yeah. and they're like really i go nay and they go really i go i walk with jenna schwartz it's a nay and i do know jenna schwartz we used to walk together every day and jenna schwartz is laughing the the principals in front are looking at me like are you fucking serious and they're like 
are there any nominations to run against Jenny Schwartz? And someone goes, I nominate Burt Kreischer. Yeah. And I go, I accept. And I stand up and I start giving a, a speech against Jenny Schwartz. Oh, and you know her. And I know her. I go, guys, if you want a flip-flopper, then that's what you're getting. Oh. I go, Jenna Schwartz and I used to hike every single day with my wife and Kathy. And then one day she just stopped. She just didn't show up. Didn't return our text. Is that what you want in a PTA oh. president? I think not. Oh. And I sat down and then Jenny Schwartz is like, I, I told Kathy that <laughs> It was fucking mom problems. I I sent you. Oh my god! It was fucking. And but these four mom, these four ladies in front of us, by the end, were fucking livid with me. Yeah, because livid. You are those. Your type and their type will never. That's Sunni and Shiites. That's never. You're never going to find an agreement, even if you're under the same thing. You're fucking done. Because I was always the kid that got kicked out because I you'd shit on those people because you're like, why are you so serious? This is dumb. This is all dumb. And that's what comics are. But but there is a vein of comics that take it super serious. Yeah, they're corny comics who lobby to get the good spot. I got to get out of here early. Yeah. The only reason I would the only reason I would say I get out of here early is because I have another spot because i like doing comedy yeah yeah like that's the only reason i'd ever be like hey can i go in front i gotta go to this place there's there's a couple guys i won't name names that uh, i was drinking i'd fucking i'd open up i'll tell you off air yeah um they you go to do like uh, a show in the main room and they're like hey i I got another spot i got another spot in 10 minutes and then they're like i need to go up right now and then they go up and then they hang out all night and they never really had another spot i would love to shit on people for that but um about Six years ago, there was this show at this bar called Cabin in New yeah. York, and it was a fucking. It was like the biggest bar show on Thursday nights in New York City, and every year they do the Cabin anniversary show, and it was a fucking four hour show. It was always hot in the tiny little room, great little showroom in the back of this dive bar that yeah. everyone would get fucked up. And I had to wait tables the next day. This was like eight eight years ago, and I tell the booker, I go, "Hey, can I go up early?" Because I, I did. I have to like I have to wake up. And at 9 a.m. to wait tables. And at, she had me at like a 1.30 a.m. spot. Yeah. And she's like, I'll put you up at like 10.15. And I'm like, awesome. 4 a.m., I'm still there closing down the bar, just hammered. And she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, it's a good party. <laughs> and I like had this like, I couldn't leave. I still got to work. I'm going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pay for it. But it was a fun party. But I don't like when... You know someone's just going up early to go home, and you're like, or hang out, and not where you're like, hey man, I don't fucking don't do that. Don't take don't take the spot. Yeah, like there, trust me, there's plenty of times where I don't call my avails in at the store because I'm like, I'm fucking, I, I'm with the girls. I I've, I I can do. I'm not going up late, but like a ten o'clock spot for me is still really late because I won't get home until eleven. Yeah, and I want to do drop off in the morning or at least get up and say hi to them. So I won't call in, um, but but like I but if I do the store, I'm there. I, I go like if I get bumped, I'll still hang. I'm there. I'm there for yeah. the night. Yeah, yeah. That's how it feels with the seller. Where you're like, even if Rock or Seinfeld, Louie or Amy comes in and they bump you, you're just kind of like, I'm still hanging out. I'm gonna get yeah. food. They still pay you. You still want to hang out with the comics that are there. But there is like, I'd be curious to see Amy do stand up now. I haven't seen her. She's been filming a movie, so I haven't seen her do it. In a I'd while. be curious to see what. What she talks about, because everything she, everything when she first started was so character driven. Yeah, you know, I think she admitted that in like the racial stuff or whatever, or yeah. like slutty stuff. Not I don't know about the slutty stuff, but it was so like, uh, like that was a character she was playing, which is, I, I feel that's weird. I, I, I feel I, that's no, weird it's, it's because I think I'm trying to be. 
you know, obviously one of my favorite comedians of all time is Bill Burr. And I saw an interview with him where he was like, you just keep trying to be who you are on stage, who you are off stage. Yeah. And so that's what I've always been trying the entire time I've been in comedy. Like, and, and Big J, who's one of my best friends and, you know, the funniest person I know, his honest criticism of my comedy is he's like, I think you're so funny off stage that your on stage hasn't caught up to that, which is a, a very valid criticism. Very valid criticism. And very, and very honest and also to the point where I'm like, fuck, man, that, thank you because that's not bullshit. Yeah. That's not like, no, you're great. I don't know why they don't get it. This is like, hey, this is what's basically not happening. Yeah. But but the character idea to me is so weird to be like I'm myself, but I'm doing a character. Well, I think you know, and, I, and I'm I'll defend Amy in this, but I think that she was just a young comic when she got yeah. really famous. She was like a, a really talented ten year comic or yeah. eight year comic, and she got famous because the other side of her was very insightful and and was breaking down things or barriers that women were identifying with. Absolutely. And but then when you'd watch a special, it was funny, but it wasn't like it wasn't the connective tissue of why everyone loved her. Yeah. And she was funny. Like when she'd go on Ellen Murder. I watched oh. I watched her on Ellen one time at a hotel room. I was on the road and I texted her. I'm like, you're fucking murdering on Ellen. Like Ellen's just slapping her chair like ah Dude, I watched that Ellen interview. I was like, that's I'm like, I'm dying to see this. And then her act wasn't that, yeah, per se, and then people criticized it because it was a it was a little racial, it was a little like you know whatever, and so people were like, "Where's this hero?" And she's like, in her defense, she's like, "I did that when I was younger. I'm I'm growing." Yeah, like, like if if someone allowed, I mean, no, no one's going to allow a female comedian to get famous at 44. That's just yeah. never going to fucking happen. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's like that's just how fucked up society is. We need our like, female comics to be famous at 28. Yeah, you know, or 33. You can't. It's it's fu- like my career only took off at f- like forty four. Dude, I have this crazy theory that if you're a straight white guy, work as hard as you can, and then try to hit your stride in your forties. And I say that because Burr, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Rogan. Rogan. Ro- I mean, Rogan's been successful his whole career. Yeah, news but radio and stuff. Stand up wise, he didn't really pop until he was like forty. I mean, forty probably forty two. But see, I I mean, I remember like. I remember being young and being like, that gave me hope. Because oh, I'm like, dude. oh my God, I have, I remember being like 25 and watching Louie and being like, oh, I got 15 years to just sharpen my fucking skills as much as possible. Dude, I worked with Louie. And uh, this is, once again, this is hyperbole, yeah. but, th- but th- there, this is no joke. I worked with Louie in 2004 yeah. when he was trying to figure out his voice. He had two kids. And he was and he was doing this absurdist comedy, which was still part of his act. Yeah. But the other part was like, my kids are assholes, and 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 uh, fuck my kids. And if they, I tried to fuck my wife, and the way they were cock blocking me, yeah. and it was just, it was what the iteration of who he is today. This get rid of the act, get rid of the Amy. Uh, I'm a dumb white girl. I'm a slut. I don't like blacks. Get rid of that and be who the fuck you are. I watched him develop that fucking weekend. I watched him develop, and I had seen him in New York do like yeah. uh, do. Uh, and then, by the way, his other stuff was hilarious. Oh, it's great. I mean, you watch his Comedy Central presents, and it's a lot of that. Yeah. His Comedy Central yeah. just presents is that, and then you see that Comedy Central half hour. <clears throat> the person who I love watching that evolution and something that I always try to aim for 
Bill Burr's HBO Half Hour. His Comedy Central Presents is good. Yeah. Then you see his HBO Half Hour, and you're like, oh, fuck, something's rumbling here. Yeah. And then you see his hour special, Why Do I Do This? And then it just keeps going up, notch after notch, where you're like, this motherfucker. He challenges himself every special is... to do something different and new. But, I mean, I to this day, Why Do I Do This? is one of my favorite comedy specials of all time because it has a little bit of that, like, the old comic that's just trying to get people to laugh and also that new, like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. And watch me just turn it and just turn it. I mean, he opens with the there's too many pedophiles joke and you're like, ah, it's that it's it was the it was the first time you really saw Bill Burr go, I'm going to take the opposite side of this argument and win you over by being fucking hilarious. And that's something to watch and be like, that is he's he's uh, I he's inspirational, you know. I think more people don't challenge themselves enough to grow in between specials. Yeah. I don't know. I know that I've become a better storyteller. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the, one of the difficulties I have is that I, I become a better storyteller, but then I start going, okay, so I'm, I've already lived all these lives. Am I just mining my history for good stories now? Yeah. Like, am I, am I just going like, well, oh, this yeah. could be a bit. <laughs> yeah, this, oh, well, fuck, let's work on this. I think it just starts coming more naturally to you. The one thing I've really tried, especially in the last three years, is just trying to like slow down on stage and be comfortable because yeah. I watch guys like Jay and I watch guys where Jay's I'm like, so good at slowing down, but slowing down and taking it. And I remember watching Patrice do that where Patrice would be like, he wouldn't say anything for 30 seconds on stage and the room would still be listening to him. And you're like, just say something like we want you to. And then he would just start murdering. But the back to the thing of dropping a character for your act is I like going back and watching like HBO has everything they've ever done on comedy on HBO go. And you can watch the young comedian special with Dave Attell from 1995 when he still had hair on top of his head. hair on top of his head. Ski and he's not in the back. Yeah. I and, saw he's, this. and he's not doing the Attell that, you know, but there's glimpses of it. There's Dude. glimpses of jokes where you go. That's and. The way that you said about Ari Shafir later in time, and I like speaking hyperbole. Yeah. I think when all said and done, the two most important people to New York City stand-up comedy are Colin Quinn and Dave Attell. Dude. I think if you take those two, you see everyone that's been affected, including the Bill Burrs and the Patrice O'Neills. They fall in those streaks because Patrice was the school of Colin. And Burr was – you listen to Bill Burr when he talks about opening for Dave Attell, and he's like, he tagged everything different. And you're like, there it is. They, you know, like Attell and Colin in New York City are the two most important people of all time. Colin Quinn, uh, when I when – I, probably I would say my, my pedigree in comedy, like how I learned – what I learned the most out of comedy, I think number one was, you know, working the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. I learned everything. I learned everything. Yeah. But I, I I learned a lot of really bad habits, like I you know I learned and then moving to L.A., I I saw all those bad habits, yeah, and then learned a, br- a bunch of brand new bad habits, yeah. Like there was there was this there was this movement. Everyone can deny it. Everyone can say, oh, no one was doing this. But there was this time that and and it's happening today right now. I see it happening right now. Um, but where everyone was um, trying to be like Dane. Everyone. Oh my God! You know what it was called in Boston? What? Because that's when I was starting out. It was called another. Uh, Joe List would say it, another ADI, another Dane impression. ADI. He'd call him ADIs. If he saw someone on stage, you go, ah, fucking ADI. Oh yeah. Like him and Tom Dustin and all these Boston guys would call it ADI. You know, that's where I learned the term from Joe List because you would see him walking around doing the overacting 
selling a punchline without a punchline and more of an act out, which was Dane wasn't doing that. Dane had punchlines. Right now, right now, I see really good comics overdoing overdoing act outs because Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian's so good at it. The best. But but now I see people who are really great comics, uh, really taking away from their comedy or or their maturation of their own voice. You know what I see in New York is. Um, there's great comics like Michael Che that can do this thing where they're like, they're conversational, but it feels you can. He's taking his time. Jay and Michael Che are two of those people where they they take. I've their never time. seen Michael Che do stand up. He's unbelievable. He's, All I know about Michael Che is, <laughs> I don't know if this is him. It might have been Jay uh, Jay Farrow. Jay Farrow said it. About when they were talking about Cat Colony. He's like, yeah, now you know what it's like to be famous, ladies. Oh, yeah. And they're like, it's totally different. Yeah, yeah. No, Che had this. <laughs> what I love about Che is Che takes shots at shit mm-hmm. that no one else will. And so he was like, oh, being told to smile. Exactly what happened was he was like, oh, being told to smile sucks. He's like, how about a white lady going, oh, my God, oh, my God, SNL, SNL, SNL. You're Jay Farrow. And he's like, I'm Michael Che. And he's like, I've seen Che do hilarious shit. Really? With the, with the fam- I got to watch him do stand-up. Very fucking funny. Very funny. His special's great on Netflix. Really? Um, Michael Che Matters. <clears throat> he was one of those guys that I went to the taping, and I'd done my special, and it came out, and I saw Che's, and I was like, this motherfucker's making me... God damn it! And yeah. I gotta go rethink things because he had see his a couple bits. Um, he does this really funny thing where people will ask for pictures, and by the third person, he'll go, "What do you know me from?" And if they can't answer, he won't take a picture. And it's so awkward but funny yeah. oh, where people are like, knows. "Huh?" And he's like, "Do you know me? How, how do you know me?" And they're like, "Uh, this person was taking a picture with you." And he's like, "I'm not giving you a picture." It's an honest thing to do. Yeah. But I think uh, back to the problem that I see is. He can do a thing where he's conversational and he's taking his time and maybe it's slow to start, but then it starts fucking hitting and he's like murdering with a bit. But how he gets there is very casual. You know, he's a big Patrice fan and that's kind of what Patrice. But I'm seeing other comics that aren't as skilled as him try to do this thing where they're acting like they don't really care. And it's coming across as boredom. It's not coming across as thoughtful and deep. It's coming across like motherfucker get you're not that good get to it yeah i'm not that good i know when i go on stage i have the feeling in my head of make them laugh i gotta make you like me then i can relax and that's what i'm trying to change yeah so it's like it's like the opposite problem where i'm like worried like please like me please like me then they like me i'm like okay cool now here's a bit and i want to change that but you were saying with sebastian the act outs you see that in different forms of like someone's doing something great and people are like well i got to do that too yeah and it comes off i mean trust me even i thought even I thought, am I not? Am I not moving enough on stage? Yeah, yeah. Like I watched Sebastian. I was in, I was in the original room. Sebastian's up, and he's going through a renovation. I'm going through a renovation too. Yeah. All my jokes were about. Uh, all my jokes were about little things I observed in the res- renovation. Um, homeless people were breaking into our house. We had a porta potty that homeless people were using. Yeah. Like I pulled up one night, and there were. Two guys in line for it. It's so in the morning, and I was like, funny. "I go, what the fuck?" Then the other guy was like, "It's a, there's a line, dude." And I was like, "No, this is my fucking house." <laughs> yeah. And then one time I pulled up, and there was a homeless guy in there taking a shit. I was with the girls, and I was like, "Don't say anything. I'm gonna go get a lock and lock him in." And my wife's like, "You cannot catch a homeless person." <laughs> yeah. And so like, but it was all that. St- it was it was all what I do, and which is but that's you, which is telling the thing that actually happened in a funny matter with Squay. And then Sebastian just goes up, and he goes, uh, "I'm." watching this guy yeah and he's fucking sweeping yeah. sweeping and he's just and, and but he's doing the sweeping he's acting it out and we're dying in the background 
And I go, I had a guy sleeping in my house. How come I didn't see this? I mean, that's the thing, though, with comedy is you can't. What you're doing is you're staying to, you're staying true. Like, you're being Bert. Yeah. You're not trying to be. And that's why you you can be jealous of that. But I think yeah. to look at that and go, I need to do that is different. I mean, we are talking about Nate earlier. I call him up and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. Laura's mad about something and the dog's on medicine. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. Like, did you watch this game? And we yeah. talk about sports. And then I see him do stand-up and he's like, dog medicine. And he's got an eight-minute bit. And I'm like, how the fuck did you just come up with all that? You told me what happened. He is really great. But that's what it is. Is Nate's like, but I don't want to. D- I love Nate and he's one of my favorite comedians. But it's like, I, I don't, don't do that. I don't want to do that. And I can't be Jay. Jay is a master at asking person one question. And then he has a seven-minute bit from crowd work of being like, who do you know that? How do you know that person? And they say something. And the next thing you know, he's murdering with a fucking tsunami bit that comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah. I can't do that. I can't do Stanhope. I can't do what Rogan or Burr. Yeah. Or like the those guys that can like dissect something or like <clears throat> pop, like pop culture or like Patrice did that too. Like yeah. He would take uh, Jorn Vandersloot and do a bit about that. I mean, I can't do that. Like I, I did a bit about catcalling that just, I think, you know, and I think it's part of what you, as you grow, you find out why people like you. Yeah. And I don't think people like, like me because I am cynical about life. I think they like me because I have a good time and they want to have a good time. They just want to have a good time. Let's just have a good time. Let's yeah. celebrate, you know, like, and then I go, yeah, because that is who the fuck I am. But then, but then you do write a bit every now and then where you're like, where you're like, oh, this is a good 9-11 junk. And you're like, what do I do with it? But people making you feel like you need to change or maybe get out of your lane is what you need to acknowledge but avoid. I remember the Boston bombing. Uh, at the marathon, I was still smoking cigarettes, and I'm outside the cellar smoking a cigarette, and the tell walks up, and that's, you know, you check in with your fucking, that's the dean. <laughs> you yeah. just, you just, he, first off, a tell is so much fun to hang out with once he knows you. Yeah. Because he's so fucking funny and trying to make a tell laugh, and Colin laughs, like two of my favorite things. Yeah. But a tell goes, how many, how many Boston bombing jokes do you have? I go, ah, uh, none. And he goes, seriously, how many do you have? I go, David, happened two days ago. I don't have any jokes. And he goes, yeah. Uh, I got four. I'm already sick of them. And you're like, yeah, but that's like, and then I go home and I'm like, okay, do I have to write Boston Marathon? And it's like, no, because I didn't find anything funny in that or that was honest with me. Because if I'm on stage being like bombing, you know, and then you see Kurt do an unbelievable bit, Kurt Metzger, about the the guys and their names and all that stuff. And you're like, oh, see, that's Kurt's lane. That's Attell's lane. That might not be my lane. And I just got to find what I do. Like, there's nothing better than like. One time, I had this old joke about makeup testing on animals, and I used to open for Nate, and Nate was like, I mean, I think maybe I could do that joke, and I'm like, and then he was like, eh, it's, it's just not me enough, and, you're, and I didn't get it at the time, and I'm like, oh, you know what's yours and what, what feels like you. Finding your voice is the most important thing. I still think, I don't think I have, and I, I put I'm, out fucking three specials. <laughs> I think I've, I'm coming close, and I'm working on my third. Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> I did a Comedy Central half hour, an hour, and a, and a Netflix half hour, and I'm like, there's glimpses of it. I'll tell you this, man. If you're if you're an aspiring comedian, watch the documentary Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld. I, I should rewatch that. I was Dude, so bitter when I was watching it. Get over, yeah. You'll watch it now and appreciate. Um, my my girlfriend and I got into a fight. Not really like a fight, but like a thing. And then I was like really upset, and I was flying out to L.A. early the next day. And I like, fuck it, I'm gonna put on Comedian. And you just realize there's so many moments where you're like. 
that's true, that's true. And I started watching that documentary when I was like 17 and in high school. I think I was I was in Orny Adams' shoes at the time. Yeah. So I saw it from Orny's perspective. But watch it now. And it's such a great documentary. Oh, I'd love to see what I would lo- – oh, my God. I'd love to see what Orny was like now that I'm a – legit comedian dude text me after you watch that yeah because it's such a good documentary because you realize also my colin quinn theory he says everything perfectly yeah and he's just like oh yeah you know you gotta work 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 you gotta work the jokes who's, always who's work the jo- colin to jerry yeah because jerry's like, and you see seinfeld he's fucking seinfeld and he's going he's having questions that we're asking right now of like i don't know is this funny is this working it's this sucks i don't feel like i used to there's a great moment where jerry goes how do you know when you're back and colin goes i'll tell you when you when you know you're back when you're downstairs and you're killing and while you're on stage killing you're going yeah i made you idiots laugh so what and you're like oh i felt that way way too many times yeah and i'm not even near colin quinn's level so you're like there's just a lot of great like, Joe List and I, our friendship was, like, quoting that movie when we first started hanging out because we were both blown away that we're at these clubs that are in this documentary. But it's a very good insight to what New York comedy is like and stand-up is like. Yeah, that was... Because uh, I was, can't imagine. That was right around the time that you were coming up. Oh, dude, I was... 2000, uh, 2001, right? 2000. <clears throat> it was probably 2000. Yeah, it came I, out in 2000. Yeah, and so I got it immediately. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I think we bought the DVD... I was working out at Crunch. There was a Tower or a Virgin Megastore next door. Oh. I got it immediately, came home, watched it, but I was in the middle of a development deal. Um, I, had a, I had a TV show, and I was and I was living in a mansion up in the hills, oh. like renting a room for 1300 bucks. I had a big, nice car. <clears throat> and part of me, I think, and Barry Katz was my manager. In oh, and he's in it. Yeah. Yeah, where he talks to Orny. And... Part of me was like, and I knew Orny at the time. Orny, and I think Orny would say this. Orny was annoying as shit. Yeah. When he when to be around him in New York because him, I won't put. I would never say this about Eddie Ift, but Orny would be about. It was more about the business, and and he would murder. I he mean, would fucking murder. But he, by the way, still murders. Yeah. I saw him at Moon. I was on the same show with him at Moon Tower, and he fucking destroyed murders. But you see that in the documentary, and it, he doesn't come off well in the documentary. No. He does not come off good in the documentary, where you're like, this I wonder dude, if he would consider that as being a detriment in his career. I don't know, but it is, regardless of what it did to his career, he left a footprint that a lot of young comics can watch and be kind of like, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, this is what you... Because Seinfeld is... The, the way the movie comes out... I is, gotta see this again. Dude, I might you gotta watch, watch it on my flight to Singapore. Please watch it and fucking email me. When you get to Singapore oh, or text I me. I have to watch this. You're going to love it. And also, I would say watch it when you're coming back. Really? Yeah. Watch it when you're coming back because it gets you so excited to do stand-up. And if you're going to Singapore and then you're going to have that time of like dead time where you like watch it. Then you get to Singapore and you do your show and you come. Watch it on the way back. Yeah. Because I think it'll get you fucking amped up to do spots. I need to be amped up to do spots. I'm doing. I'm, I, I told you we're doing that sober October thing. Yeah, and I'm going to be doing spots <clears throat> every night because I think that's the one way I'll stay sane. Fuck yeah! Is like I like now. Right now, I'm home. I'm home a lot in October. Also, yeah. So I, it'll be fun to go to the store, be kept honest with it. You know, make sure everyone knows I'm not drinking, but go and do spots and just work and work and work for those first three weeks. I think I'm home. Then I'm doing Chicago. Then come back, work, work, work. And then I think that'll be, uh, I think, 
I, I will watch it. I think coming. I'm, I might watch it. I might watch it on my flight home from DC. Yeah, because that's my, that'll be on the first. That'll be my first sober flight in like four years. Yeah, and so and you dude, you'll get into it because you're gonna see like. There's so many people that you watch. You're like, oh, Russman Eve. Oh, Sherrod Small. Yeah. You just yeah. see all these people that you're like, ah, these are still comics. It's Vecchione and I were watching it um, two nights ago before I flew out here. And I was like, man, how crazy is it? Because he was telling me about when he saw the documentary the first time. And I'm like, how crazy is it that you're watching it? And you're like, those guys are my coworkers now. Not Jerry and Colin and Orny, but like people in the documentary. William Stevenson's hosting at Gotham and brings up Orny and Jerry. And you're like, William! Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to see him next week at the cellar, have him hosting, you know, on the show yeah. I'm on. And it's just fucking crazy to me because it was a gift my friend gave me in high school where he was like, I know you want to be a comedian. This is comedian from Seinfeld. And it became like the Bible for me, like just studying that documentary and rewatching it. Insane. It's like, you know, it's comfort food. You watch that and you're like, oh, stand up's here because stand up is still here. You know, you were living in the hills with a big house or with a big car and all that shit when that came out. And now you watch it and stand up still in your life, but in a much healthier, better way. Such a different way. Different, but, but different way. Like, I, like I, I wonder, I don't know. I, I, I really do kind of have, I, I'm, I'm so torn on where stand up is going because there's such a saturation of oh, stand up. The bubble's going to pop. It's going to pop. But, and, then, and you, and you go, will I be? One of the will I survive the apocalypse? Yes, I I don't doubt myself. When the I <laughs> in a weird way I'm like a doomsday prepper. I'm yeah. like let it come, let the pop happen, because those who stick around will see another upswing, and I when just, they do, yeah. you're gonna be the head of the pack. I'm be fucking fifty. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you're like I gotta worry about way other worse shit. Yeah. But I'm saying when that does happen, we'll be around. In a different, better way. It would be cool. I don't think I could ever become like a Joe or a Colin. Like meaning, like like Joe. Joe is. I don't. I, he doesn't like hearing stuff like this because he's not this guy yeah. in real life. But he is like a, a like um like a a, a a almost like a mentor to the majority of us. By the way, majority of us that are just like a few years younger than him, dude. I mean, I. That guy, Joe Rogan, is. Uh, I, I met him for the first time face to face at the store with Ari. Yeah, but it was like I just shut up. I was like, "Hey, man, nice to meet you. I don't even know if he knew. He follows me on social media, so I, I know he knows of me because of Ari and you yeah. guys. But I don't. We don't. I don't know him at all. And he is like a guy where you're like, Dad, "You're very important for comedy. You're very important." He w- he wouldn't even want to hear that. Yeah, but it's like, crazy because it's so like, funny. He's but like, I wouldn't lead with that. I yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're very important for comedy, but it's also like Colin. Colin didn't like hearing that shit. You say that to Colin, Colin's like, shut so up. Important for comedy is fucking ridiculous. He's like, shut up, dummy. You don't even fucking know. What are you fucking talking about? I saw him. I saw him. I'm sure he's already done this joke, so I'm not spoiling one of his jokes. But I saw him at Gotham working out uh, one of his shows and one of his one man shows, and he was like, uh, he's like, ah, so tired of you guys talking about the fucking save the polar bear, save the polar bear. One of the best jokes of all time. <laughs> Everyone broke into here right now. You'd be throwing. You guys will all be on one side of the room with chairs trying to fend that thing off. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and I'll go further. I don't think the. He goes, polar bears. Who do they fight? Seals. And what was the other? And penguins. Those are children and drunks. I don't think they've ever been tested. It makes me laugh. So, but he does this. 
he had some of the best jokes. Colin is a genius in the fact that he can do, like we were talking about with Ari, one, you look at Unconstitutional, yeah. you look at New York Story, you look at um, uh, Long Story Short. He does all these like giant themes perfectly, but then has these throwaway jokes. During the 2016 election, he goes, ah, Hillary Clinton really does... Her campaign speeches have the authenticity of a lap dance. And you're like, that's so goddamn funny. In the 08 election, my favorite joke, he goes, I don't know if I like John McCain. He really has a smile like a father that's about to turn violent. And you're like, hey, you call that Reagan the Leaves? Why don't I see if I can on the side of the house? You call that Reagan the Leaves? <laughs> it's like, goddamn. And he, here's the thing. He won't necessarily murder like a Sebastian. But you'll get off stage. One of the coolest moments I've had in comedy, in comedy, just happened yeah. to me two months ago. Dave Attell was on an early show, which means the sun rises at night. Like, you yeah. never see Attell on an early show. Never. On an 8 o'clock show at the cellar, never see him. No. And Colin was on the show. So I watch Colin. I go upstairs. I talk to Attell. And then I go in the back of the room so I can watch Attell. I watched Colin watch Attell. His whole set, because Colin came in and sat down on the runners and watched a tell. So I watched a tell, and he knew Colin was in the room because he referenced it on stage. And then I'm talking to a tell two hours later when he's going up on the late show, and he goes, ah, you know, Colin was in the room, so I had to do. And you're like, oh, fu- that fucked you up? That's still, like, dude, I hate when, a f- like, someone I respect's in the fucking room. I can't do it. I don't want anyone in the room. I can't do it. I, one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life was I got off stage one time and just had a real fucking okay set. Just real going first no one really cares you got him by the end but you remember the first half of the set more than you remember the second half yeah i get off stage and louis just standing there louis ck is just standing in the back hallway uh, and i'm like cool glad you could see me do fucking okay and it, i sat down and i was just so mad that i go there's nothing worse than doing mediocre louis and i don't really have like he, he says hello to me and stuff but we don't talk a lot yeah and I said that, and he goes, he just lights up. He goes, that's exactly right. He goes, there's nothing worse than just doing mediocre. And you're like, I don't know if you're calling me mediocre or you're agreeing with me. Yeah. But I'm going, you know, like, but this is a moment. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dude, fuck, I'm a human to you, I guess, right now. I'm at the, I'm at the, uh, at the OR in, uh, like, I don't know, a little while back. I'm sure my shirt's off. Yeah. I'm working on new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, uh. I'm I'm doing I never do great in the OR. I always do mediocre because I'm I don't use that. I mean I, like I is it like a comfortability thing or is it No, I don't no, uh, no, I think I mean I've done better than average, but like I don't go up there and try to fucking murder. I try to write new stuff. I try to rearrange stuff. I try to like I don't I don't use that. Like if I do the main room, I'm going to probably do the set that does best. Yeah. Because it's you know it's a big crowd, but in that room, a lot of them aren't comedy fans or tourists. They came in, they just want to see a comedy show. They don't, they're not not even like impressed with the lore of the comedy store. Yeah, they're like, this is something we're doing on a Tuesday on our vacation. It's LA. like would you, if you do the cellar, do you go into murder? I mean, maybe the cellar's a little different because it's got. But I mean, I don't do I don't do any set to murder. But I understand because the OR at the store feels a lot like the Village Underground at the cellar. It's the bigger room. There's more people. A lot more tourists. Yeah. Like, people who know comedy. The belly room is the funnest room to do. The OR is the one where you really find out what's funny. Like, yeah. you literally find out what's funny. And then the main room is where you go, and it's it's you, Burr, Rogan, D'Elia, uh, and, and that's And I would say that's what the cellar is. The cellar cellar is, like, you going up, and you're like, all right, everyone's going to kill. How Who's going to kill the hardest? Because yeah. everyone's going to kill. Yeah. But then the Village Underground's kind of, like, larger. It's more, like, couples, and there's, like, a band plays you on. So there really is, like, this bigger, like, you know, 
original room feel where there's like the big stage and you're like, oh, this is. I feel like people are out for a night tonight. Yeah, and so and so I went and I'm doing this jokes, these jokes about my dad that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, um, and one of them's good. Two of them are, I think, two of them I force, I force down your throat. But I'm trying them all. Yeah, and uh, and I see the light. And I'm like, oh, it's time to get off. As soon as I see the light, I'm like, okay, we're done. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I lasted that. Yeah. And then I look over and I said, uh, who's next? And he goes, Louis C.K. And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well. And I just go, ladies and gentlemen, this next gentleman comes to stage. There's a reason. I'm going to stick around and have a drink. Put your hands together for Louis C.K. And then he goes up stage, on stage, and he's like, uh, oh, very funny. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I was like, can you tell me what part so I can keep it in? Yeah. <laughs> can you tell me what you started to see? Can we, can we go over tape when yeah. you're done? Can you can you real quick tell me what? <laughs> I need he, just guide me. He, but he and then he was just working on stuff. This is the other reason is I've seen really great people in that room work on stuff. Yeah, like Tosh, Louis, the people I respect work on stuff there because you're not going to lose that spot. Yeah, you can do really bad and you're not going to lose that spot because people didn't pay an arm or leg. If you do really bad in the main room, everyone's like, "What's going on with your act?" Yeah, but if you do really bad in there and, and you just mediocrely, like if you, if you, Daniel Tosh went up and did old material. I think all of us would be like, what happened? Yeah. You know, if, if Louis went up and was like, I'm, this is stuff for my last hour. You'd be like, huh? Yeah, that's the way I have the most fun watching Chris Rock work out. Because Chris Rock is like, first off, he's a legend. But second yeah. off, he still tackles it like a new comic. Where if I went down to the cellar and I saw him doing the mic cord grab and the pace back and forth, the repeating of the premise, yeah. you know, how he puts the gloss on when he's on tour. Yeah. I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah, I like him there with the yellow notepad, and he's like, uh, "Fucking Walmart," and you're like, "Okay, fucking, let's see what's going on." And what I like about watching Rock work out is that it's clearly him working out, but yeah. then he hits something, and you're like, and then you see him just fucking work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it, and it's tight, and then it's just all of a sudden evaporates. So that's why I'm excited to see the next special because you're like, I remember this bit that got tight. I remember this from watching him work out, and you don't see him do it anymore. Yeah. And then I'll ask my friends who open for him, like, "Yeah, he's he's putting it in the act. It's on the road," and you're like, "Ah, oh, I can't wait," because yeah. I like that. I like watching people work out a little bit, going away, and then seeing their special. Like, I, yeah. I like seeing the finished product. I like seeing the finished product. So, like, Chappelle, when he, he's my favorite comic of all time. He I might, won't work he him might be one. one of my favorite people to see live. Yeah. I, won't, I will occasionally watch him live if I catch him. Where I'll be like, let me see a little bit of it. But I used to be like, let me go watch the whole thing. I'm going to watch the hour. I don't want to miss a joke. And now I like watching it because when his double Netflix specials came out, I'm like, I haven't seen Any 85% of, yeah. of this. So this is great. I'm watching it like a fan again. I liked it. I liked both of them. Um, I liked the one with the coat more than the other one. Yeah, okay. I loved the one where he was in Austin. That's where he that's the story about his kid punching the little girl. Yeah. Is like I haven't laughed like that. The the line where he says he his son was in trouble and he was crying like Tupac where he goes, These kids keep fucking with me. I was like, <laughs> that is one of the funniest things. I put that on my phone just to laugh at while I was at the yeah. airport. Like I was like, oh fuck, that joke's so goddamn good. What uh I always wonder who the next like like I think my generation got skipped. Like in a weird way, like it was like it was like, you know, there was this big influx of SNL guys like yeah. David Spade, Attell, like there's Jay Moore, like this big yeah. who, who all toured all the clubs nationally and we're making and doing TV and doing and then in a weird way TV died out when like me and Ari were on the and I think uh, Big J 
Yeah. Right? I think Big J is my, my generation. Yeah. All three of you all, guys. TV kind of died out, and we all did, like, we were like, we were like the fucking famish kids going, what's happening now? And then we all did specials, but now specials are really prevalent, and that's the generation. The people who are, like, grinding it right now, that's the one. Like, you, Nate, uh, like, that, that generation below me, I think, how yeah. old are you? 34. 34. I'm yeah. fucking 10 years older than you. Yeah. That's the ones who are going to be the fucking next stars, I think. The See, next Attells and Spades. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a thing where you can't predict. I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, three years from now, you could be on top of the game and turn a corner. You know, let's say you go to Singapore, come back, something. Yada, you do a month sober, yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, you have an epiphany that changes the game and all of a sudden you're just fucking lighting shit up yeah. where you're just lighting up and you find your stride that's why i love watching segura just find his stride and be like fuck he's funny he's so goddamn funny he's someone he's someone that i i think i got i got to watch his finding his voice yeah and when he found his voice and his voice is you know like i saw a clip of him the other day where he was massively obese but he was like uh <laughs> he was like talking about uh first 48 yeah and I was just giggling. I go, oh, that's so Tom. Like, so, yeah. it's so Tom. Like, driving in a car with Tom. I, I used to spend hours upon hours in a car with Tom because we'd drive to uh, Bray every week. Yeah. And I, that is his sensibility, is this, like, laughing to himself about <laughs> something. And so his voice is sharing you, sharing with you something that makes him laugh but shouldn't make anyone laugh. Yeah. You know? Well, that's... And that's where I say you don't – I don't think you really kind of know. I think there's like this – there's so many great comedians out right now that I just don't think – you don't know who's going to kind of come out or turn that corner. I think Nate is going to be like one of those Brian Regan types. Where Nate's no matter – such a fucking – With no matter what – yeah. No matter what happens with the industry – yeah. No matter what happens with however many shows he sells, however many pilots he does, however many series he has, yeah. I think the thing will be he is so goddamn funny that he'll be a Brian Regan where you're like, you got to see this guy. No one dislikes Brian Regan. You show Brian yeah. Regan and you're like, this guy's on a different level. Like he's just on a different level and he's fucking hilarious. But I also think there's guys like Joe List who are the next Bill Burrs. Where they're around, they're in the I scene. I gotta see Joe List do stand up. I don't. I, I, that I think I've only met Joe like one time. He is so goddamn funny, and always has been. Yeah. But there's something now about how he's putting it together. Where you're like, you look at the schedule, and you're like, like I'm at the stand. I'm like, I got a 9:45 after Joe List at 9:30, and you're like, fuck. And you watch like a Mark Norman, who's just like so like. You watch his jokes, and they're so tight. But then I love watching. By the way, Mark Norman, and I have to say this, is someone who has a pacing in his act that is is enjoyable to watch. However, I will say, him on any press ever, ever, ever that that you know on a podcast on any like. He, he still has that pacing. It is that natural pacing, but his fucking honesty fucking kills me. It's I heard him right after Opie got fired. Yeah, and they were like, uh, they, and he was on Jim and Sam, and he's like, uh, they were like, they were like, well, we don't want to shit on him, you know, but you know, 
I don't know. I, I didn't really listen to the show. Mark, you did the show. How was it? He's like, I didn't like it. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Like, yeah. it was just, it I, was don't like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. He says shit where you're like, oh, I, fuck, Mark. He makes me laugh so hard. And then I fucked her without a condom. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're a real pig. And you're like, what <laughs> are you saying? What the fuck are you saying, Mark? But oh. that's the thing. He's a guy, and, and it, it really is like back to what we're talking about with Ari, where you see like good people. Norman's one of my favorite people to be alone with and talk with because he's just like, such an interesting guy and has so many complex layers to him. And then he's goes on. He's like, whatever, you queer. And you're like, what the fuck? Dude, he made me like when we did Skanks Fest. Yeah. That day. That's the only time I've ever met Joe List, by the way. Okay. I did. was like, I was like, dude, you're fucking tall. Yeah. I was like, I thought you're going to be like five, like, ten. Yeah. When he used to drink a lot, he'd blink a lot. And really? Like, yeah. Fucking. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, his blinking. That's what I miss about Joe drinking. Really? He, he had like this nervous tick. He, um, Sorry, Joe would hate if I was like sharing that. But it was, no, 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 it was uh, adorable. That's what he, I said. But that I I called Nate. And yeah. I was I landed. Nate called me and he goes, uh, "Going to the going to the creek in the cave." Yeah, and I a cave in the creek, creek in the cave, creek in the cave, and, he, and he's <laughs> like, uh, he's like, ah, everyone's drinking. You want to go? And I was like, well, I don't know. I have a show tonight. And he's like, ah, so do I. So we went over there, and I had more fun that afternoon. Than I've had in comedy in a long time. And that was great. And I was there. It was that backyard where yeah. everyone was just hanging out, boozing, smoking weed. Just it was hanging. fucking amazing. And I met Joe List then. And I, all I, I, by the way, I didn't know anything about Joe List. And we had done, we had done, and I, I apologize if Joe's hearing this going, I've met you a couple times. I drink a lot, so I forget <laughs> yeah. a lot. No, he gets that. Yeah. And so, and so I had met him. I had I had said I did lunch with Nate one afternoon. Yeah, and Nate was like, "I was like, yeah, I don't think I know anyone. Like, I know Mark, but I don't know Mark. I think I'd I'd had him on my podcast yet, and I didn't even really know Nate. I'd know Nate, but I didn't know Nate. Yeah, I knew that his dad was a clown. Yeah, I knew that he had been on Artie's part of podcast. I I said I don't know anyone. And he's like, "Well, yeah." He was like, "Yeah, you know, uh, him and Soda used to really drink." And I was like, "Really?" He was like, "Oh, Joe was a, an animal." And he's like. You ever hear the time he shit in that girl's shoe? Dude. And I fucking was like, that's how you start a story. That's how you, you ever hear the time he shit in that girl's shoe? The hardest I've ever heard Nate laugh in my entire life was, and you can find the shitting on the shoe story. I think Joe told it on his podcast, Tuesdays with Stories, but it is a legendary story about how drunk I was involved for a little bit of that. So I was drinking with them (laughs) and I, we were shit faced and it was midnight and I'm like, I have to leave because I have to wait tables in the morning. Yeah. And I had to wake up at 9 a.m. I'm like, I have to go home. I have to go home. In the ch- I was right by the subway. We were at this bar called Barcelona Bar where Nate, Joe, and I used to do heavy drinking yeah. in between spots. Like, this heavy- is when Nate lived in New York. Yeah. Nate lived in Queens. Joe, li- We all lived in Queens. Uh, and we all would do spots at Stand Up New York, Broadway Comedy Club, and Caroline's. So there's kind of like this like triangle because yeah. it's all Upper West and Midtown. But you can get there all with one train. So we'd all be at one of those clubs, and we'd all meet a Barcelona bar, and we were friends with the entire fucking staff, and we had no money. So I would come in at 8.45 after my first spot. I'd put $20 down to Jesse, the bartender, and she would be like, cool, and she'd give me $2 Bud Lights all night, and then she'd give me shots when she would take a shot. And then Joe and Nate would come, and then we would all we'd find extra money. We'd start drinking. DeRosa introduced comedians to that bar and created a fucking wildfire. Yeah. So one time, Nate, it's like a Wednesday night. I get I bomb at Broadway Comedy Club. I get off stage, and Nate's like, oh, man, May enlist, and everyone, we're going to Barcelona Bar. Let's go. And they were at Caroline's. 
So I meet up with them, and they're already kind of like half in the bag. So I do some ketchup drinking, do a couple shots, drink some beers. I'm outside smoking cigarettes. I'm getting there, getting there. Then I get too drunk because I overshoot my mark. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you guys. And then uh, and they're like, yeah, I think we're done. And Lisa's like, I think we're done. And these, these girls from Caroline's that work there come over. Oh, that's right. They worked at Caroline's. Dude, and we're like drinking. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave. And Joe's single at the time. And he's like, all right. He's like, I'm fucking, look at this chick, huh? He's like, I'm fucking into her. And I'm like, I get it, buddy. I got to go. I'm hammered. I got to yeah. wake up early. I wake up horrifically hungover. Go wait tables. I'm sweating out the whiskey. I'm like, it's just a normal day. Yeah. I'm getting done kind of early. So I'm like, hey, maybe Nate will want to meet up. I'll see when he's coming in the city. And then we can fucking have some beers because I think we're on the same show together. I call Nate. He is crying laughing when he picks up. And he goes, oh, man, did you talk to Joe? And I go, no. He goes, you need to call him right now. And I'm, he's like, he won't stop laughing. I go, why? He goes, just just call Joe right now. He goes, hang up and call Joe. And I call Joe. And he picks up. and He's like, hello? I'm like, Joe, where are you? He's like, I'm in fucking Seattle, dude. I'm like. How are you in Seattle? He goes, Seattle. He goes, I just landed. Uh, I fucking shit in that girl's shoe last night. And I go, <laughs> wait, what? And he goes, I did. I'm on the fucking plane. I can't talk to you. And then all the details come out. And it's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. Wait, where he, tell it quickly if you not. To, so I, when I leave, yeah. they go to a different bar. Because, by the way, the day I get Joe List on my podcast, I'm going to make him take an hour to tell that story. It is so goddamn funny. And I'm going to forget a thousand details I'm gonna do, that are hilarious. I'm gonna do, I want to do a bit. I want to do a bit. I was, I was thinking about doing a podcast, not to take away from the story, but uh, yeah. called uh, Let Me Tell You Your Story. Yeah. The one thing I'm really good at is I'm a really good storyteller, but I can hear your story. And I can tell it back to you the way it should be told on stage for you. Oh, so okay. Like, so like, I'm like, I did it with another comic. Uh, they 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 were doing Ari's thing, and they were like, they had a really good story, and they're like, it's just not working. And I said, well, why don't you come over to my man cave and tell me your story? We recorded it. I said, tell me your story. Tell me it for one hour. Tell me your story. I want to know every details. I'm going to pick it apart. I want to know little subjects in there that maybe you, you're glancing at. Like, oh, that, dude, that's a good fucking idea. And so then I said, and then I go, tell it to me. And then at the very end, I'll tell you how long it need to be. He's like, 10 minutes. I go, I'll tell you your story in 10 minutes. And I told him his story at the end, and he was like, dude, like, his agent called me. He called me, it, like it. it you're the murdered. you're the story whisperer. It mur- well, it's but it's not. I can't do it for me all the time. Yeah, but like I can hear. Like Segura did that to me one time. He told me a story in the car, and I go, "Dude, that's got to go on stage." He's like, "Nah, it's not." I go, "No, this is the story." Isn't it crazy that you can hear bits from other people better than they can? Yeah. I had this joke about uh, faking a Russian accent because yeah. I used I, it. I remember seeing that on I think Conan. Yeah, because I used it to get out of a mugging in the Bronx. Yeah. I didn't do it as a joke at all. I told Nate that story. We were hanging out in his apartment in Queens, and he goes, if you don't do that as a bit, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, what do I say? He goes, just get into it, man. Just get into it. And then that was like really what it is. He goes, but that punchline that you just told me needs to be the punchline. And he identified everything just like that. So I think that's a great idea. I, I, and I absolutely think you need to have Joe List on to tell that story. I did I did a story on the in the belly room one time. Someone goes, uh, it was this new material show that Jeremiah does. Yeah, and so you can't do anything you've ever I done. Love, I love they do that at the Fat Black Pussycat in New York. I, Will Vince has that show, and I love it. Oh, it's great! And so someone said, "I said next subject," and someone goes, "Anne Frank," and I go, "Well, oh, I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person." Oh, that's so good. And Rogan is in the back, and he's like, "Please tell me that's a bit." <laughs> and I go, "No, I, I did." And he goes, 
what's the rest? And I go, I, I, I just thought they were the same person. I found out at the Anne Frank house they're not. And he's like, are, are you fucking kidding me? This is a bit. And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> and then now it's, and then it was like, but but wait, so tell me your version of Joe List's. Um, so Joe leaves, I leave the bar, Joe and Nate leave the bar, and the two girls from Caroline's. They go to Jason Cantor's bar, who's a bartender and a comic down on the Lower East Side. They play beer pong. Everything goes crazy. Joe lives in Astoria and wakes up in an apartment that he doesn't know. He has the greatest line where he goes, I didn't know where I was for two minutes. And I go, that's crazy. He goes, no, motherfucker. Think about two minutes and not knowing where you are. He goes, it's terrifying. The coffee table is smashed in front of him. He's in his bath. He always sleeps in basketball shorts under his jeans. It's an alcohol. I used to do it too. I don't know why. What? Yeah. So he's in his basketball shorts and a t-shirt and he wakes up. He's peeing and he's like, oh, I'm at the girl's house from Caroline's. And he's like, okay. He goes in one shoes in one of her roommates room. One shoes in her room. His jeans are in her room. There's like stuff in both rooms. So he's picking his stuff up. He puts his pants on it, and he notices. And I might not be telling – this is from what I remember yeah, the story. Yeah, 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 There's piss on the floor. And he's like, did I fucking pee on the floor? And he's like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And he cleans it up. He cleans it up as, as fast as possible. <laughs> and then he, he grabs his stuff. And By he's, the way, only an alcoholic <laughs> would clean up piss figuring it's theirs. Yeah, like just everyone like, else like, I definitely didn't do that. Yeah. But only an alcoholic goes – you know what? If it's mine or not mine, let's just not. Have let's that just, be let's just fucking get rid, let's of get rid of it. Let's just get rid of it. So he's supposed to fly to Seattle for the Seattle comedy competition, yeah. which is a month long competition. He's staying at his best friend Derek's house, and he wakes up, and it's like ten minutes to his flight. So he calls the airline. He's like, "I need another flight." They put him on a, another flight. He throws up. He goes home. He throws up. Um, <laughs> he grabs clothes and just stuff and just. Throws it in a backpack. Yeah. Runs to the airport. Gets on a plane and texts the girl. He's like, I am so sorry. Whatever happened last night. I am like really sorry. He gets to Utah. He has a layover and he turns on his phone. and It's a flip phone still at the time. And he gets a bunch of texts where she's like, oh, that's that's okay. Wait, did he say that she shit in her shoe? He yet? goes, I think he goes, I think I pooped. He doesn't know that he pooped. Yeah. He's like, I think I peed on your floor. And she texts him, and she's like, oh, we all get crazy, but thanks for cleaning up. Everything was fine. Don't worry about it. It was a crazy night. And he's like, all right. Gets on his flight to Seattle. He lands, turns on his phone, and he starts getting texts that's like, oh, my God. It's so much worse. Oh, my God. You shit in my shoe. He didn't know he shit. He thought he just pissed. So this girl finds shit in her shoe. And she's like, and he's like, oh, my God. Uh, But also, the best part is Joe's hungover. He's thrown up. He didn't even have to. I, I, for some reason, I believe he didn't brush his teeth. I might be wrong about that. Here's the best part. He finds shit on the inside of his leg in his jeans. He's like, oh. there's still shit because he squatted and shit and some of it hit Why him. Why would he shit in her shoe? He doesn't know. He's completely blacked out. Dude, he sends her a birthday card and money. It was the hardest. I mean, again. Joe will tell the story much better I with a lot more details Joe on the podcast. Absolutely. But n- I've never heard Nate laugh harder than that where Nate was like, please tell me Joe told you the story. And Joe was so defeated when I called him. He's like, ah, dude, I don't fucking know. I got to get a hold of myself. He's like, I shit in the girl's shoe. And I'm like, the aim. He goes, I don't know. It just landed there. <laughs> and you're like, 
You have to have aim to shit in someone's shoe. Yeah, Joe List. And that was like, those were moments where like we would all black out. Like yeah. Cabin Bar. I talk about Cabin. Yeah. There was a night I blacked out, and then I see Giannis Papas the next day, and he goes, do you remember fire department kicking in the bathroom door while I'm at the urinal? You came in and puked while I was pissing, and then got up and went, you want to do a shot? And I was like, I don't remember that at all. He's like, yeah, because you did that. And that was like the kind of shit that I would do where I'd be like, see, I, yeah, I, I drink a lot, but I never, by the way, I never realized how much I drank until I like hung out with Stanhope and then the next day hung out with Rogan and Tom and Ari and was like, and, and then I, I was like, like last night we were all partying and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to have two drinks and see how that does me. Yeah. I had two drinks, fell asleep, slept great, woke up. I was like, oh, I think I've been having too many drinks. Yeah, I think I think what happens is they become a bottomless pit of going. I can't get enough. Like I'm, a, I'm still standing. Yeah, Let's I would just go, get to bed. I would go until the t- until the brain would shut off. I'd just go until the store was closed. I'm like, we're just going, yeah. and it, it would happen like I innocently also, enough. I'd be like, let me do one shot of Jameson and a beer, and then next thing I know, Vecchione's coming home at three forty-five, and I'm smoking cigarettes in the living room watching The Wire. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm yeah. like, I got to get through this episode. And he's like, you're yeah. smoking in the living room. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I got a tall boy at Bud Light. You want one? There's six pack in the fridge. He's like, it's four in the morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's a Tuesday. What are you going to do? I think I also, I, I double up my, I double up my drinking. I don't slow my drinking down and I'm smoking marijuana. Oh, that's the best. And I think, I think that is why I'm getting so fucked up. Because I did that. I was a two-sport athlete. I loved. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite fucking line. <laughs> I would get high. I was fucking, I would get high and then come back in and do shots with you. And Nate was always, Nate was my friend who was like, I think you can drink socially. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like it gave me a vote of confidence. Yeah. He's like, stop doing shots, man. Just stop doing shots. And then we'd have like two beers and I'd be like, John do Jameson? Yeah. He'd be like, no, don't do this. Yeah, I don't like, understand shots. I'm not a shots guy. I'm all, I was all about walking in, Jameson neat. With a with a Budweiser heavy back. That is okay. I think I will say this across the board. Yeah. Anyone I've ever known that does a Jameson neat with a with a Budweiser <laughs> yeah. is has a drinking problem. Oh yeah. Like I know I've know fucking five guys who are all sober now that that's how they drank. Yeah, that's five guys that not don't touch it now. And you want to know the reason why I could kept going like that? Why? No one could tell when I was hammered. The only person that could tell when I was hammered was Nate. Really? I'd say me back, man, you you all right? And I'd be like, Well, you could tell. I called him one time I got snowed into Chicago. Yeah. And he, he Nate started comedy in Chicago. He's like, Ah, this guy's got a great bar show, could do a show. I started drinking at the Green Mill by Wrigley Field at like four PM. The show was at ten. Yeah. I call Nate near a blackout and he goes oh buddy you having a good night i go how can you tell no one knows everyone keeps buying me yeah. drinks because they think i'm not and he's like oh yeah you're getting bad i almost missed my flight the next day that's how drunk i was yeah i i don't I'm, i my thing is i won't day drink before a show okay like, like my big thing lately has been to go to uh, baseball games on the road oh. i've been loving it yeah day drinking at a baseball game is the only, one of the only things i miss but i i now i'll say if i want to if i want a day drink i'll, I'll stay one extra day and I'll go to a baseball game. Great. And but like it's I don't like day, day drinking. drinking. What's that? I used to have a joke about day drinking where I love day drinking so much that I have I've made friends with Target employees because I'm so hammered. <laughs> where I'm like, well, how's your day going or whatever? And then the next day I show up to actually get the things that I need and I'm hungover and they're like, What's up? I'm like, Who the fuck are you? <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well, we talked I'm Daryl. I've worked <laughs> we talked for twenty minutes yesterday about CDs. I'm all ah, fucking I don't know, man. I gotta get socks. Get out of my way. <laughs> 
but that's when I knew I was like, oh shit, oh shit. Like I, because I would day drink and I'd be like, let me take a fifteen minute nap, wake up, smoke weed, go right back to drinking. Ah, oh, dude, there was times where I woke up in D.C. where I was. I ordered a chef salad from a Chinese restaurant at four thirty in the morning and got so sick off of it. And someone's like, why would you order a chef salad from a Chinese restaurant? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. It was on the hotel menu, and they weren't providing it, and I wanted one, and I was hammered, and I talked the guy. I paid like 20 bucks for a fucking chef salad. <laughs> yeah. And so that was like – those drinking days were some of the best times of my life. But, yeah, though, Jameson, beer back. I wanted to, I want to talk to Nate about the Sober October because I know Nate. Nate and I have texted, and, he's, and both of us were like right, – after we left – Skankfest? Skankfest? Yeah. Nate was like, buddy – we should challenge each other yeah. to some sort of sober thing. Yeah, Renee's like, I got to get it together, man. Yeah, and I was like, and then he texted me again, but and then, and then he was like, he was like, he was like, how are you doing? I was like, rough. And he was like, he was like, yeah. He was like, I, we got to do something. And he was like, not forever, but just for right now. And I was like, my, I was, I was the king of not forever, but right now. I was the king of okay. If I'm gonna drink alcohol, I'm gonna do Jameson on the rocks, no beers. But then yeah. I'd start drinking beers. And then I'd be like, all right, beers, no shots. And then I'd start drinking beers. And then eventually I was – besides you, I don't think anyone can contend with me with how fun I was at airport bars when oh. I was drinking. I made so many temporary friends getting hammered. If you could smoke cigarettes in an airport bar, you know how many flights I almost missed? DIA, there's a bar upstairs in Terminal B where you can smoke cigarettes. It's a smoking lounge at a bar. And I was watching the – CIA steel- is where? At Denver International Airport. Really? And I was flying back to New York, and the, I'll never forget the Steelers and Ravens were playing. And I called Frontier to see if I could get a later flight because I was having so much fun drinking with this fucking group at the airport bar. And they were like, yeah, it's like $600 to change your flight. And I was like, ah, and I ran to my flight, and I was doing shots of Jaeger and drinking Fat Tire. And oh, so I just showed up at the God. gate, and I was like, I made it. And they're like, who are you? And I'm like, you guys seeing the Steelers-Ravens game? And it's like a <laughs> week two, and people are like, who the fuck is this guy? And I get on, and I'm like, Jameson, let me get a JMO. And I'm just <laughs> hammered. I mean, DeRosa used to love it because I would show up. If I got, like, airport drunk, he would be the guy I called when I touched down, where I'd be like, hey, I'll drop my bags off. I'll meet you at fucking O'Malley. Well, I'll that's meet a, you somewhere. That's a, By the way, that is a really great feeling. Oh. There's no better feeling than landing and it being, for me, my version is landing, it being 4 o'clock, oh, yeah. and my wife texting and going, hey, we're at Tom and Sandy's. Come over and meet us. And I go, we, she like, I got your Speedo and some cigars. Oh. And I'm like, oh. One of those was I landed from Chicago, and DeRosa goes, hey, oh, God, this used to be the fucking wrecking crew. He goes, me and Al Jackson are going to go out for my birthday. And oh, I was like. Hold the, hold I was the like, phone. Al Jackson, Al Jackson is fucking legendary. Yeah, he is a guy where you're like, oh, dude, I got such a great Al Jackson story. What time do you got to be out of here by? Uh, I got I to go. Let me look real quick because I don't know L.A. and I underestimate everything. Yeah. And so my L.A. thing is like, oh, I can just do that. It says everything says it's going to take twenty minutes, but you lying ass. Where you got to go? I got to be okay. Oh shit! I got to be there in thirty minutes. I got ten more minutes. Where where you got to go? I got to go to Burbank Boulevard. I don't know where it Cake is. Walk. It's uh, in Burbank. I got to go to Burbank. Burbank's ten fifteen minutes away. Perfect. I got to be there at one. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up and then get you out of here. We'll get you out of here by twelve thirty, and you have ample time to get there. And did you drive or you take an Uber? Uh, I drove. Okay, yeah. That's the best part about smoking weed and driving or not drinking. Yeah. I just fucking drive everywhere now. Yeah. I love it. By the way, let me say this: I'm not sober. I smoke weed like a motherfucker. Yeah. Because I love it. I found. Do you, do you have any gently weed while you're here? I have my pen. I always travel with my pen. Okay. So I have a weed oil. But yeah, I mean, I'm always like, when I'm at the comedy club, I'm doing Doug Benson getting high, getting dug with high. So it's like. Oh, are you, go, are you doing that today? Tonight. Then I got a spot at the improv. So I'm going oh, from that wow, to a spot great. at the improv where you're like, you want to talk about nerves. I don't go up a lot in LA. Yeah. And I feel like. When I go up in L.A., people are like, oh, who's this New York guy? If I'm going to show up fucking baked, I'm like, uh, here we go. Nah, don't worry about it. Wait, what was the story you are going to tell me? The Wrecking Crew? Al oh. Jackson. You have a great Al Jackson story? I mean, I have so many great Al Jackson stories. I've got some really great Al Jackson stories. Uh, there's one, though. I don't know if I can tell. I don't... Oh, he's divorced now. Yeah, he's divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Al, don't kill me for this story, but it's yeah. fucking great. So Al used to crash with me when he had come to New York. Yeah. Uh, he was on the road with Jim Norton a lot and Jim Jeffries. He was on the road like – Touring with the Hannibal now, I think. Yeah, but he was on the road with Jim Norton. This is 2007, 2008. Fuck, I hope I don't get him in trouble for this story, but it's too good because this motherfucker put me in such an awkward situation. So he's crashing at my house. He's working with Jim at Caroline's all weekend. I'm yeah. working at K-Rock at the time. I'm, I'm doing comedy, but I'm, I also have this gig doing overnight DJing at K-Rock at the rock station in New York that paid, you know, that was like how I basically made my rent was yeah. waiting tables in K-Rock. I'm like, ow, I'm done at 2 a.m., but I'm going to tell you right now, I only have one set of keys and you're sleeping on my couch. You got to be at my house at 2 a.m. Like, I'm going to get food and I'm going to come home. I'm going to want to get high and watch my DVR. Is this when you're partying or he, he's... We're both partying, okay, okay. but Saturday night. I, okay. I'm at work, so okay. I can't oh, yeah, party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm on air till 2 a.m., so I'm like, dude, you got to fucking be there. He's like, I got you. I got you. Stop it. I'm there. All right, great. I fucking get back to Queens. I go to, di- I go to the, my favorite diner. I pick up my food to go. I get a fucking soda from the deli. I'm heading home. I got a joint rolled. I'm like, here we go. I'll wake his ass up. We'll play some NCAA college. We were obsessed with NCAA college football, which was a video yeah, yeah, game yeah. where we used to do. We used to make bets. One of them was loser calls his mom, and we were both drunk. And I beat him in a game at 2 a.m. and he had to call his mom and apologize for letting her down and losing at a video game. <laughs> One time, Al, we, I have a heavyweight championship belt, a WWF heavyweight yeah. championship belt. One time Al beat me and took his shirt off and put the belt on and walked to the deli with me. <laughs> and he's like, buy the champ some cookies. Buy the champ some milk. Like he was yelling shit out. He's the best. I fucking love Al Jackson. Yeah, I do too. So I get home. I got all my food. I'm ready to get high. I haven't been partying. I'm sober for the night. Yeah. My roommates are sleeping. I can't buzz. And I'm on the first story. So I'm like, I call Al. Doesn't pick up. I call Al again. Doesn't pick up. I go to my window and I fucking knock on my window like, hey, ow, ow. Because I texted him earlier. He's like, I'm at your house. Yeah. I'm, I'm heading home. You're going to be good. I'll be there. So I knew he was there. Yeah. But he's not picking up. I'm like, this motherfucker pass out. He pat- so I'm banging on the window. And, the, and my blinds are like these weird bamboo blinds. So you can't like open them up. You have to like open the whole thing and look. Yeah. So I see it look and it's dark in my apartment. And I see a face look and I'm like, ow. I'm like, let me in, dummy. And he's like, all right. So it shuts waiting waiting still doesn't open up and i'm staring at my front door through the building through the door of the building i'm staring at my front door out of nowhere this blonde girl just opens the door 
and she opens the and she goes, Hi, I forget her name. She's like, Al fell asleep. And I go, Who the fuck are you? And she's like, Hi, I work at he's like, I work at Caroline's and like I was Al like Al and I were like smoking weed. I was like, Did you guys smoke a joint? She goes, Yeah, yeah, but Al said he's gonna get you back. I'm like, This motherfucker smoked my joint. That's my joint. I walk into my apartment. Al's asleep with his back. He's fully clothed, blanket yeah. over him. Yeah. Asleep on my couch with his face towards the pillows. I'm like, hey, dummy, wake <laughs> up. Doesn't move. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm stuck hanging out with this girl <laughs> while I eat my fucking meal. I have to meet a person while I'm having a 245 <laughs> in the morning meal where I'm eating. And she's like, I went to college in Northwest. And I'm just like, I don't have weed. I'm so <laughs> mad at him. I'm so goddamn mad at him. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to watch TV. And she's like, I'll watch TV with you. And I, it was the new episode of 30 Rock. And I was excited to watch 30 Rock. And I'm watching it. And she's like, oh, I don't like this show. And I'm like, bitch, who are you? Why are you here? And why is Al have you? He's not fucking you because you're fucking completely clothed. Yeah. Who are you? We hang out. Finally, I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. So do you want me to lock the door behind you? And she's like, oh, I'll just, I'm going to hang out here. She sleeps in a chair sitting up. To the point where I get up at like nine in the morning to piss and yeah. she's still sleeping, sitting up and Al's passed out on the couch. I wake up at like 11. She's gone. Al's like kicking it with my roommate. I walk out. He's like, what's up, homie? I'm like, who the fuck was that last night? He goes, I don't even know. He goes, I think she works at Caroline's. Sorry. I had to hang out with her. He's like, she was just blabbing. She just wanted to smoke weed. So we came back. I'm like, you smoke my weed. He's like, I'll get you back. It's like that kind of cool. Like Al's like, hey, there ain't no problem. I'm like, you ruined my fucking night, dude. Dude, he, I, the, I'll say this and I'll let you go. I did a podcast with him. It was him, this guy, Omar Dorsey. Okay. And, an, and an, another black guy. I forgot the other black guy's name. But it, uh, I see Omar drop off. Our kids are good friends. And he goes, uh, yo, man, when are we going to podcast? I go, whenever. Yeah. He goes, let's do it now. And I was like. Let's do it now. He goes, I'll call Al Jackson. I go, call Al. He goes, yeah, yeah. Let's, he goes, meet at your house at 10 or, or, or like 930. I go, awesome. I go, you guys up for boozing? And they're like, fuck yeah. So we all come over here. Al shows up, this other guy and Omar. And we, you can find this online. And we start drinking at like 930 in the morning. Yeah. And we're like, we're laughing. We're fucking dying laughing. We do like a three-hour, two-hour podcast Get done, and Al and Omar are like, you want to go over to Pat's? And we're like, yeah. He's like, they just opened. It's a bar. So we go over there. Tone Bell is there. Oh. And we're like, oh, shit. We're all partying, and we're getting fucking hammered. And I look at my watch. I go, yo, we got to pick up our kids, Omar. <laughs> and he's like, I can't pick up my kid like this. He goes, hey, pick up my kid. Bring her to your house. Let him do homework. I'm going to fucking sober up. And, and I'm like, okay. So I go to Leanne. I call Leanne. I go, hey, I can't pick up Georgia, but you need to pick up Georgia and Omar's kid and bring them back up here to do homework. They come back. They're doing homework. They're jumping on the trampoline. Seven o'clock rolls by. Omar and Al come, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going to Uber down to drop off Omar's kid, and then we're going to party, and you want to uh, go? I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn. There are few people that make me want to drink again. Yeah. You are one of them. Al Jackson's one of them. Nate and DeRosa. Those four people. Yeah. I'm like, so I had this theory. I hit five years of not drinking. Oh, congrats. In March, coming up. I'm four years, but I'm hitting yeah. five. And I always told DeRosa, I was like, maybe at five years, I'll put together an Expendables-like team of everybody I want to go hard with and, and rent a block of rooms in New Orleans and just have everybody come down 
like a Ocean's Eleven shit, just put together a, a squad. Oh. And it's like, and I'm thinking about it, and that would probably be my starting four. Would be you, DeRosa, Nate, and Al Jackson. I'm in. Fuck, and I'd be the fifth. I'm trying to plan. So, so I. Ah, Bert, you, this is real. I, 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 I know me, and I know I'll get away from it and be like, my life is so much better without alcohol. Yada yada yada. And all yeah. the alcoholics I talk to are like, do not do that. That's a bad idea. But I'm like, Nate has a joke made fun of me because I go, I'll just do a night. I'll just do a night, you know. But I'll, I'll drink some beers. I'll do some shots. So I should maybe do like the night before just yeah. to get used to beers. And Nate goes, I mean, you're such an alcoholic. You've already given yourself two nights when you're going to give yourself one night. And I was Wait, like, can I tell you this? <sighs> so for, uh, I don't know what we're calling it, but Oxobert or whatever it's called. Yeah. You ready for this? Yeah. I have my last drink uh, on the 31st in D.C. I'm doing shows at the Improv. They're all sold out. Great. I get on a plane sober on the on the 1st. Mm-hmm. And I'm sober all through October. My first drink is going to be at midnight on the 31st in New Orleans with Ari Shafir, oh. Big J, oh. and the Impractical Jokers God cast. damn it. You're going on the cruise. I'm going on the cruise. Son of a bitch. <laughs> is that not going to be the first best drink Sal Volcano? Yeah. Oh. Everyone. I'm going to fly in sober. I'm going to hang out sober on Bourbon Street until midnight. And when midnight strikes... I'm going to fucking go nuts. But here's the problem is I probably won't go nuts because I'll feel really good. I'll probably, feel really good. I'll probably feel, do like a, have a couple drinks and get a good night's sleep. You'll and have – Like because I, by the end – and my big – I know for a fact – I know for a fact – I know for a fact I'm not drinking – I'm not done drinking forever. I've already yeah. had that conversation with myself. Wait. But this month's going to be so much fun because I'll feel good. I'll be writing. But I, I'm going to start drinking again in New Orleans at, on <sighs> Halloween night. And there's a feeling of – I'll tell you where the best drinking nights are, just from someone that's quit for four years. It's not those nights. It's the nights where you have to rally or the days where you rally or they come out of nowhere. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is the best. Yeah. Like, this is the – some of my favorite drinking days have been, like, Nate and I doing a show in Columbus. And he's like, you want to go to this minor league game? That's why I said that. Yeah. Like, oh, those oh, yeah. are fun. And then you have a couple big ones and you're like, I bet we can get closer and talk shit to the players. And then we're just behind the <laughs> – the chain link, like right, we gotta get you out of here. Your swing's garbage. Yeah. Your swing's garbage. And the guy's like, "Fuck you!" And then you're like, "I get another beer. This is so much fun." And I got to talk to me. I got to talk to me. Oh god, yeah. Oh All fuck. Right. Dude. We got to get you out of here, uh, you're uh, the, dude. You're the best, dude. This is fantastic. Your Netflix special. It's called The Comedians. Yeah, it's, uh, stand-ups on the stand-ups at, on have uh, six great ones. Nate Bargetti leads it off. Yeah. So make sure you check it out. It's on Netflix streaming now. It is fantastic, dude. I love you, man. I love one of my favorite thing, moments as a comic is when we uh, linked up in Calgary. Yeah, was it Calgary? Yeah, the Canadian connection. And we just hung out every day and had three-hour lunches. It was the best. And I was like, that's the thing I miss about stand-up, and I, I don't get that enough. Yeah. And I will say, you guys have to listen to The Bonfire on Sirius XM. I was going to ask if you want to do it tonight. What do you have this afternoon from uh, 3 to 5? 3 to 5? Yeah. You know what? We can do 4 to 5 if you want to come in 4 to 5. Uh, I'm going to Singapore in the morning. Yeah, so I think take I'm your time. spend time with the family. You know what? That's wise. But I'll tell you but this: it's my favorite. It's my favorite Sirius XM show to do. No, no shade to Jim and Sam yeah. Yeah. or or, uh, or Ellis or or Nick DiPaolo or any of the great ones. But man, we have fucking fun with you, dude. You guys are so. That's the motorcycle story started there. Oh, it's great, dude. And with the way Lou dressed it up with playing uh, the dude, doors, so fucking great. Yeah, we like that's like one of our. I mean, dude. I gotta post that. I gotta post that. You're. Our, I think it's on SoundCloud. Ask you know Christine. What? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tag it at the end of this. 
I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a place to put it into this story. I will have already played it. Yeah, uh, and I'll do it in the intro, and I'll let because I want to promote uh, Bonfire. Yeah, so check out the Bonfire and, and ask Christine because she'll get you that sound. Cloud. I have it on my phone. She got it for me. Yeah, and then, dude, you're. I mean, always, as always, open invite. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.